Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOSB, you'll be all set for when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams and all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOSB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio on one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You're a holiday powerhouse. You host the dinners, shovel neighbors, sidewalks, and make everything from scratch. You definitely don't need help making the holidays happen. But Dunkin's Holiday Blend Coffee? A warming medium roast complete with sweet notes of dried fruit and molasses. Or a cranberry orange muffin made with real cranberries just might convince you a little help never hurt. Especially the hot caffeinated kind. America runs on Duncan. Present participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. time in a long time but it seems like just yesterday when we were side by side beast mode no one's blocking our way <laughs> these other guys tried it but them man ain't got the skills of brazen and davy brazen and raging bringing you the thrills and spills right here in full gear about to blow up like tnt us man are too sweet brady bbp the bb elite right here in full gear about to blow up like tnt us man are too sweet brady bbp the bb elite Hello, hello, hello. Davey Portman here from Up Next for a very special Saturday brunch time edition of BD Elite. Or should I say, for the sake of this week, uh, a shot of JD Elite, maybe? Because uh, I'm not joined with Braden today. He's at work because uh, it is Saturday. It's not our usual schedule. But I am joined here today by John Ceno. Hello, this is great. I have my coffee here. I'm wearing my pajamas. There's light coming in from the windows. Like this feels like such a great difference. It's it's pretty wonderful. Uh, I, I got to admit, uh, first of all, thank you all for joining us. We are alive on twitch.tv slash up next podcast. We always do up next and BD Elite as well as our watch longs and post shows live on Twitch. Or you may be listening to us on postwrestling.com, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, Podcast Addict, wherever you find your podcasts. Thank you for finding us, and we hope you enjoy the show. Um, but yeah, John, uh, I got to admit, I could get used to this. Uh, I don't know how things will be once Ontario finally opens up and I'm back to work, but uh, I got to say, from an enjoyment point of view, I loved watching Dynamite at 10 a.m., Last night, I finished SmackDown. I finished all my chores. I sat down. I had some roti. I had a glass of red. And I watched Dynamite and then went to bed, woke up, had my coffee, all refreshed. And now I'm here to talk about it. It's so much more civilized. This is wonderful. That that was my plan. Last night, I went to go see the new Cruella movie. Great movie. And I came home and I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a little nap, like an hour or two, and then maybe start SmackDown on delay and then go right into Dynamite. 
I ended up sleeping throughout the whole night. Um, but you know what? I woke up at six o'clock in the morning. It was great watching two show, two wrestling shows back to back in the morning. Um, either way, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Um, but I'm here. Yeah, morning time wrestling is, is something I can get used to for sure. Usually when I watch my shows for Shot in the Dark, I usually throw them on in the morning. I'll drop my son off at school and just kind of put the shows on. So I'm kind of already into that little routine. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it should be interesting once we get that third hour every Friday with Rampage. For me as well, 10 p.m. is a much nicer time for me because uh, kind of I've I've already done everything by then. That's when I'm usually relaxed. I'm a bit of a night owl anyway. So 8 p.m. usually when we're watching NXT or AEW, we're kind of still scrambling around making dinner and that kind of thing and setting everything up for the stream after. So yeah, this was lovely. But uh, first of all, most importantly, how was Cruella? It was good. It was... um. My only like main issue is gonna sound kind of weird because I love movies that put music in it, but I feel like every single scene had like a hit song, and I'm just like, all right, we get it. Disney paid for all this music, which was great, um, but it just felt like too much like just pop music thrown in there. But the movie itself was good. Um, it, it definitely reminded me of like Joker. It had like that Joker vibe, but from the female okay. perspective, being Cruella. Um, I can see people having some issues, like you know, this big villain that we've always known is all of a sudden sympathetic character, sort of how it was for uh, Maleficent. But um, it was a good movie. I liked how they kind of like tied it into even the live action movies. And I know that um, uh, who played the uh, original Corella in the movie? Glenn was, Close. Uh, Glenn Close. I know she was executive producer, I think, in this movie. So okay. I think they have plans on maybe the next one being like Godfather Two style, which is like prequel and sequel. So we might get both Emma Stone and Glenn Close if that's oh. The- Okay, that's yeah, pretty cool. That's, I, I heard that. So um, overall, it was good. I just didn't want to pay 30 bucks to watch it on Disney+. Plus. So I used my movie pass, uh, went on a little date, I guess you can say, and, and checked it out. It was good. You went on a date? Oh, very nice. Yeah, I thought that. Yeah, female friends. Very nice, very nice. Um, so as I mentioned, we are live on Twitch. Uh, this is the AEW show uh, where we talk all about AEW. But BD Elite, we normally branch off and kind of talk about the world in wrestling in general. And with it being lunchtime, we'd love to take as many calls as we can today. So uh, we've put the link on the Patreon, patreon.com slash up next for all patrons and also the Facebook group. So if you want to call in later today at the end of the show, uh, just follow the Zoom link on uh, the Facebook page or the Patreon. Uh, But uh, not much in the news of wrestling this week, was there? <laughs> nah, slow, slow day, slow day. Oh, slow boy. week, I guess you can say. <laughs> I I really feel for John and Wei, uh, who uh, just kept on pumping out these news shows yesterday, as well as reviewing both Dynamite and SmackDown last night. But um, where shall we start? Uh, maybe with the uh, WWE New Japan news, uh, potential news that uh, Dave Meltzer broke on Wrestling Observer that uh, Nick Khan's been in talks with uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling at a potential exclusive deal uh, where WWE will be the only uh, kind of North American partner with New Japan Pro Wrestling. And as always, uh, Wrestling Twitter had a meltdown. Um, I I just want to, we've talked briefly off air about this, but I kind of want to get your thoughts on this whole uh, situation and obviously take all of this with, a massive pinch of salt, but we can allow ourselves to get a little bit silly and talk about uh, dream scenarios as well. So overall, what are your thoughts? Uh, Are you excited about this potential idea? Are you livid? Like some people seem to be. Uh, This is terrible. This is the destruction of mankind in wrestling. No, obviously (laughs) I'm joking. Um, I think it's great. I mean, if it actually works out, 
like how I think it's going to work out where it's just like them exchanging talent. Um, I don't expect like a takeover or an invasion from new Japan or WWE, you know, putting Okada on 205, all these jokes that everybody has been saying, I don't think it's going to be to that extent. I just think it's going to be talent exchange. Send the Daniel Bryan to New Japan. Send the Kona Reeves, who's like, please send me to Japan. Like, why not? These guys aren't doing anything. And New Japan could, could surely use this boost. Like, they've been pretty crappy the last couple of months. So why not do some sort of working relationship? I can understand people being upset because obviously they won't be working with AEW or Impact. Um, but I think this could be very good for both parties if they keep it to like a talent exchange level. If it's going to be like a buyout scenario, then yeah, I can understand people getting really upset. But it's not going to ruin wrestling. It's not the end of New Japan. It's not evil empire taking over. It's just a working agreement. It's like everybody. Lo- I saw this tweet. I forgot who it was, but it's like everybody loves the Forbidden Door only when it's their favorite wrestling companies that are involved. Like, why can't yeah. WWE be working with other companies? People have asked for it, and now when they finally talk about it there's like all this backlash i don't really understand like just let it happen let it see what happens nick Khan is as far as i know been doing some pretty good moves um so why not do it i mean what i just what i think is gonna lead to is nick Khan versus tony Khan, right after that heated <laughs> tony Khan promo last night yeah uh yeah i'm kind of with you i can't see them doing necessarily like an invasion angle but if it's a matter of uh talent exchange i think that's a a great thing and And I know a lot of people have sort of uh, kind of hesitations because of how WWE have treated foreign talent in the past. Um, But let's remember, last time a New Japan talent came to WWE, they got the W. Jushin Thunder Liger at TakeOver Brooklyn has the win over Tyler Breeze. Um, And personally, I most a lot of that AEW roster, at least the the people like I find interesting have worked with new Japan fairly recently anyway. So if we're talking about kind of dream match scenarios for me, the, the dream matches are WWE and new Japan because um, that, that feels more forbidden to me. The, the idea of a, a Daniel Bryan going over there against anyone, the idea of a Volta or a, a Johnny Gargano or, even a Kona Reeves, you know, I, I think that to me sounds way more interesting. And people people are right to kind of feel a bit nervous uh, because of WWE in the past. But I think if this is more of a sort of Triple H, Nick Khan agreement, I don't think we need to worry so much. You, you watch NXT and they do kind of bring up history and and talk about, they mention New Japan sometimes. And I mean... Let's look at AEW. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love AEW, but look at this in relationship with Impact. Like, if you don't watch Impact, yeah. will you be aware of this relationship even being a thing? Um, New Japan. Like, I mean, people are, oh, the roster's going to get buried. Like, it's it's cool. I think the way they sort of uh, highlighted Yuji Nagata the other week and kind of made you as the viewer kind of give you this lesson on him, I thought was great. But... If you're worried about your New Japan favorites losing, I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, I can't see, I don't take any of this kind of, oh, they're going to bury Okada or stuff like that. I I do see it more of US talent going over to Japan rather than the other way around. But come on, it's exciting. And let's be honest, New Japan has kind of sucked in the last year. Um, They need, they need that injection of, foreign talent i think to kind of just freshen up that roster and for me i'd personally rather see 
a Daniel Bryan go over than a Kenny Omega again, who was just there. A uh, the Young Bucks again. Like I, I find the WWE side a bit more interesting. Um, and you can also have kind of homecomings for Nakamura, for Finn Balor, for Kushida, like those kind of things. Um, okay, John. Now, now let's let's get a little bit silly with this. Uh, what, what's your dream scenario? Well, I know they just announced this morning that now that Will Ospreay has vacated the IWGP title, they're going to have Okada versus Shingo at Dominion, which is going to mm. be on June 7th, I think is a new date. So I don't know if it's even possible, obviously, with everything going on with Japan and the lockdown and the pandemic. But what if Shingo does come out on top or even Okada comes out on top and then Daniel Bryan comes out and goes <laughs> with the champion. And it was like, the rumors are true. I'm here representing WWE. Make it seem like some sort of invasion angle, but it's really nice. Just Bryan just taking some time away and lead up to Bryan versus Okada, Bryan versus Shingo, Dragon versus Dragon. At If this ever Tokyo Dome Grand Slam, Russell Slam show happens, um, do it there. Have Bryan be like the first person and then have him kind of tease, kind of how the NWO did back in the day where it's like, I didn't come alone. There's more people. Then you kind of like start thinking like, who else is going to show up here? And then, Boom, Konori shows up, or I mean, well, maybe not Konori, I, I can make that big of a splash, but maybe like a Shinsuke Nakamura or Finn Balor, mm. or even like a Sasha Banks. Like, I don't know if Stardom's gonna be involved in this, but imagine like a Sasha Banks going over there and fighting with some of the women um, yeah. in Stardom. That would be amazing. That'd um, be awesome. I would do some sort of like, you know, invasion angle, but not necessarily like, you know, WWE style with everybody coming in and beating everybody up. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say I think there is, what's the phrase, like fire to the smoke because like th- this Daniel Bryan story, and I, I think because we're so used to getting burned by WWE whenever they do these kind of loser leaves town gimmicks, I think CM Punk, what, he was away for two weeks when he ran away with the title, um, that no one kind of took this Daniel Bryan thing seriously. At le- I mean, you look at the ratings on that SmackDown, it, it didn't really draw too well. Um, because no one really buys into it because we're so used to being like bait and switch with WWE. But Daniel Bryan hasn't shown up since then. We know his contract's expired. He's been very vocal about wanting to work elsewhere. Um, You hear all these rumors about Osprey as well, a potential uh, signing with WWE or something. And even uh, I read there was a, a Fred Rosser interview, the former Darren Young, who said that he recently filmed something for the the Nexus DVD yep. and he was wearing his New Japan jacket yep. and the producer said, uh, hey, do you mind removing the jacket? And he sort of said, no, this is kind of who I am now. I'm proud to represent New Japan. Um, and John Laurionitis even told him that there's potential going to be an agreement between them. And that was a mm. couple of months ago. Um, even go back as far as rest in peace Brody Lee with his interview with Jericho saying Triple H kind of mentioned him about going over to Japan or something when he wasn't wrestling too much and obviously nothing came of that but uh it, it's it's obviously been that there, there have been talks going around and it it is quite exciting as a fan and I, sure. I think it would be good for both uh, like the WWE roster is so, so deep right now. And there's so many people not doing anything. And uh, you saw like, I mean, you always went to the Evolve shows where NXT talent not being used would go to. And perhaps it's going to be that kind of agreement. Um, for me, if I'm getting silly about it, I would love a kind of G1 where one bracket is 
NXT, NXT UK, and the other bracket is Japan. And you could have like block A US side finals at takeover, B block finals in Japan, and then have a like the big like final match in Japan. Like that's just a pipe dream, but that could be really crazy. cool. Um, it's, it's funny you brought up the um, the Nexus thing with Darren Young or Fred Rosser because I think that's airing in a couple weeks, so it should be interesting to see if they censor it or not because that could be like a big tell right there. Like if they just <laughs> let the logo fly, that could be like, whoa, maybe they'll work with it. But if they do censor it, they could be, you know, there's going to be some ways to kind of like cipher that. But yeah, of course, the dream scenarios have been running through my head. Usos versus Gorillas of Destiny, the Big Dog versus the Stone Pitbull. You could do so many matches and um but yeah like you said like with the whole evolve thing that was great like i saw some guys like um street profits were like pretty much not really doing nothing they went to evolve won the tag titles next thing you know they're being pushed at nxt and look at them now um i would love to see the same scenario maybe like this rumored evolve show or third show never got off the ground maybe they want to utilize new japan pro wrestling strong that's shoots in california every you know every month so why not send some guys over there kona reeves or i know we keep saying kona but like I feel like he could do so much more and he wants to go to Japan. He even tweeted it out. Yeah. Even, like I saw the, war, the, the war Raiders are like, yeah, send us to Japan. Like all these guys, they would love to go there and actually wrestle like what they For sure. love to do. And and you look at new Japan right now, I'd say that uh, the junior heavyweight division in particular is very shallow right now in new Japan. And I'm looking at the Twitch chat right now and people are saying, send Ali and think of all these great cruiserweights, we have in WWE who are kind of not being used much. Uh, the likes of Ali, a ricochet, um, so many people in, in the PC and NXT. Uh, I'm sure WWE are pretty good at letting people down, but I would say like as much as the narrative within kind of like wrestling Twitter and stuff is WWE is shit. Oh, they shit. WWE. I would say SmackDown's been consistently pretty strong. I think NXT is on the best run it has been for quite a while. I think consistently week after week, it's been producing good shows. And as much as Raw is creatively stagnant and it's the non-finishes and that kind of thing, I would say you at least look at kind of the guys they're, they're pushing and a a Drew McIntyre, uh, a Bobby Lashley, a Rhea Ripley, like just over a year ago, weren't really doing much. And now they are. And that, that there does seem to be an effort from WWE to kind of look forward and start thinking about the next sort of generation rather than just falling back on the same people, which they have done since for like the last 10 years, I'd say. So yeah, for somebody, somebody who watches like all the shows, I can honestly say that Raw is the only real bad show that WWE produces. Like NXT, mm. like you said, is consistent. SmackDown's been great. Even NXT UK and 205 Live, those are shows that pretty much nobody watches, but they've been producing some like new talent. Like you have your former Ben Carter, Nathan Fraser over there. You got your A-Kid um, on on 205 Live, they're really pushing Asher Hale, the former Anthony Henry, um, the former Alex Zane, Sterling, Ari Sterling's over there. Like, they're actually pushing new talent and, like, giving them some time to shine on those shows. So imagine, like, down the line, if we get some sort of, like, rebirth of a Cruiserweight Classic and you do, like, this different divisions. You have your NXT UK division. You have your um, New Japan division. You have your 205 division, your NXT division. You can definitely, like, do so much with all this talent. And I understand why a lot of, like, 
fans might be upset. Obviously, it's more of the AEW fans are getting upset about this because they don't want their talent to not be able to work with New Japan. I know they have these fantasy bookings of Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi and Okada and all this, and that's probably going to be thrown out the window. Like I made a joke that John Moxley's probably going to lose his title to Baron Corbett or something because <laughs> of this. Um, but I can understand why people were getting upset or real like um, wary about the whole situation. But like, just let it happen. Now, do you think with this whole Tony Khan shooting on Nikon thing, do you think that? that has any truth to it or you think he's like, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how to read that because like, it's kind of weird for him to kind of even bring it up. Um, but then like, I don't really know what the purpose of that was unless there's no truth to this WWE thing at all. And he's just kind of, you know, stirring up the pot. Yeah. Do you want, do you want to maybe explain that video to people who may have not seen it quite yet? Yeah. So it's like, it's him and Tony Schiavone and Tony Khan is his full Tony Khan, like uh, impact mode where he's just at the shades on and just kind of going total, you know, uh, compared to Herb Abrams from UWF, it's that total mode. And he's just like shooting on this. He's like, I heard there's rumors from the Observer of WWE in New Japan. And then he's like, Nick Khan, you had these conversations months ago and you haven't done anything. Well, I've used Yuji Nagata and I've used Red Narita and we have the US champion. So he's like just shooting on him. Then he calls him like the fake Khan. There's only room for one Khan in wrestling and you're the Khan man of Connecticut. So it's just like this really like old school style promo from Tony Khan, which I don't, not really a fan of his promos, but it's like, the the actual like meat of the topic like why even bring it up like why even like talk about this unless like you have some sort of involvement in this whole situation maybe it's maybe he knows something we don't maybe he is the one that has the agreement with new japan and he just is doing this to make wb look bad who knows i personally love it because i think we're so used to in wrestling rumors coming out and them not being addressed or kind of dismissed even though like take edge returning edge going no i'm not coming back i'm not coming back i'm not coming back and then boom edge comes back you're so used to in wrestling everyone keeping everything so quiet and everyone paranoid about shit getting out i love that tony khan just breaks the rules and the day this drops he just addresses it very openly uh i don't know if there's too much to read into it but i i did find it very entertaining and I, it didn't necessarily put me off of AEW whatsoever, but it's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. Um, well, let's move on and start. Uh, there's a couple of documentaries that dropped this week. We've been, it's been documentary season in the world of wrestling. We've been having the A&E documentaries and Dark Side of the Ring, and both covered the Ultimate Warrior this week, a very controversial figure within wrestling. Uh, did you get a chance to watch both of them, John? Yeah, I've been consistently watching Dark Side and AEW every week as these new episodes have been airing. And I was kind of shocked. I, I think that, yeah, I'm going to say the AEW Warrior documentary was definitely better than the Dark Side. I feel like they didn't really hit the points that I thought Dark Side usually does. It might be one of their weakest episodes. They just kind of, and I understand the time constraints. It's only 45 minutes compared to the what, hour and a half that AEW gets. But I feel like they didn't really get into the Dark Side of Warrior. Like, yeah, you might have mentioned his, like, cheating on his wife and a couple of the issues with WWE. But AEW definitely tackled more of it. They got more into depth about the whole, like, um, college campus tour that he did and the homophobic comments they showed a lot. They had that whole scenario with the steroid trial and the drugs that he did. Uh, they talked about um, the fallout with WWE and the whole airport incident and the apology video. So I think AEW definitely went more into depth about the the dark side. I don't know there's a whole joke about Dana Warrior saying that the dark side was smut and filth. I think there was more smut and filth in the AW documentary than there was in the dark side one. Um, so I was just actually surprised. I thought it was gonna be the other way around where dark side was really going to hit those points. 
Um, but I think overall, if you kind of take both of them together, you have like your kind of not your overall um, full story of Warrior, but you definitely have the, the different parts because you have his first wife and Shari Tyler uh, from the dark side. Then you have the Dana Warrior side of it. So if you kind of take both of them and kind of cut them up together, you might get a more definitive version of it. But if I had to choose one of those two, I definitely think the AEW tackled the better points. I think you mean A&E, right? <laughs> yeah. A&E, A&E, uh, yeah. Um, I'm completely with you. I, I thought the A&E one was a quite fair look at Ultimate Warrior. It, it kind of showcased how how popular he was and and why he was successful whilst also kind of making a point that he was more of a body guy and not so much a wrestler. It, it tackled... Um, the dark side of him, the the homophobic comments and uh, the the apology, I found fascinating. And actually seeing the footage um, of this stuff as well, but it didn't feel like a complete character assassination as well, because you had the family elements there, where like, sure, this guy definitely wasn't um, the nicest person in the world, in the world, but he's still be- left behind two kids who have to kind of grow up and. And deal with the legacy of his, his their father um, left behind a widow and and I thought it was it was a much more fair assessment of him whilst going into the bits like this guy wasn't a good guy. Whereas Dark Side just felt and I've been a big fan of Dark Side of the Ring, but it felt kind of all over the place and a bit a bit more sensationalized than normal. Um, it was just. A lot of people saying the guy couldn't wrestle and he was a piece of shit, pretty much. And for me, I, I'm not a Jim Cornette fan at all. I I get he's like a, a a great wrestling historian, but for me, there's always so much of his opinion um, involved that perhaps like blurs facts as well. So I, I tend to, when I see Cornette, sort of just push aside anything he says and don't find it particularly relevant. So in the Dark Side documentary, it was more so his his first wife and JR that I was sort of paying attention to. But even then it was just, okay, the the guy cheated on his wife, which is awful, but I'm kind of who didn't in wrestling back then. Yeah, that's you know, what I thought. Like it didn't really tackle like the drugs and the steroids. It it barely tackled kind of the homophobia. Um, it was just, this guy was a body guy. He was a shit wrestler and, uh, wasn't a very nice person. And it was all from, there wasn't really any evidence behind it apart from people that didn't like the guy talking about him. Um, and even the, it's stories I've heard before, but even the stuff with, um, oh, and then he changed his name to warrior because he actually thought he, he was the ultimate warrior. I, I don't really buy that. I think he he knew he had a brand behind him and he knew um, that WWE would own that. And if he wants to go and make comic books about his character or do these motivational speeches and things, he needs to be the ultimate warrior and therefore changed his name. I don't necessarily buy into the the kind of narrative like they did with Pillman where, oh, he got so lost in the character that he thought he was this warrior from this other planet. Um yeah, I, I definitely think I agree with you. If it's kind of best to watch both, as I think you get a bigger, like a broader picture of who this man was. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was a pretty weak effort this this week from Dark Side, which 
which surprised me. Yeah, I'm intrigued to see how much maybe they might ha- they might have to cut out of the dark side one. Like Frank mentions how they use Bischoff, and neither one of the shows talked about the WCW stint. I know it was a, a short time that he was there, but I'm sure Bischoff could probably speak on it about how much of an issue Warrior was even to work with in the little time that he was there. So I'm sure that we'll probably see some like deleted scenes. Um, yeah, Fire Frank also brings up the whole Jake the Snake thing with his story about the Hall of Fame and the roll of quarters. Like there was some definitely some some funny things today that I never heard before. But I feel like the dark side definitely cut out a lot of things they were probably meaning to put into it. Not enough to make a second part like Pillman, but definitely some stuff. Also, did did Jake say uh, that he was meant to be champion, but Warrior he had to ask Warrior first or something like yeah, that? Yeah, like, the that whole thing was, was weird. He was like, oh, I lost out on all this kind of championship money because Warrior didn't want me to be champion. And I'm thinking... You needed Warrior's permission, which didn't make any sense. Like, I never heard that in wrestling. Like, do you need somebody's permission to go on a world championship run? But yeah, that was... I don't know, Jake's stories have kind of switched over the years. So who knows? Exactly. And that and that's the thing. Like, it was only really JR watching that doc where I, I go, okay, you were talent relations. I listen to your podcast. You're always... You always speak your mind and say... Uh, say what you think about these people. Uh, you might not disagree or disagree with the guy, but uh, I think he's pretty fair in his assessments a lot of the time. Um, well, talking about the dark side of the ring, I guess, there was some news actually coming out of this AEW uh, Dynamite last night from the Spanish commentary uh, feed um, during during commercial break, Pitcher and Pitcher, where... Um, it sounds like one of the commentators was kind of racistly mocking Hikaru Shida. Um, yeah. I, have you had a chance to listen to this yet, John? I did. And I actually spoke to one of my friends that's like fluent in Spanish. It was like, maybe you can get a better idea of like what they said here, what the meaning of it. But it looks like they were, I guess, like during commercials, they didn't know they were being recorded, but during commercials, they're kind of trying to figure out, okay, who's going to interpret who during this Shida Britt Baker promo and then uh, it was it's four people on commentary. So it's Alex Abrahantis, who we've seen with Penta. Um, it's Willie Urbina, who used to work with Impact, uh, Thunder Rosa, and Dasha Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. So I guess like um, Alex and Thunder were like, uh, Willie, Willie, do do uh, Sheeta. And then he went on this disrespectful, like Asian stereotype mocking. You can go online and listen to it yourself. And everybody's kind of like laughing at it. Like Alex and Thunder are like, oh, just laughing at it. But you can kind of hear Dasha kind of like, hey, don't do that. That's not cool. But um, it was totally uncalled for. I mean, even if they even if they, they weren't being recorded, why would you do that? Like to your coworkers and like like I don't and of course AEW is always like you know every AEW is for everyone. So it's like why yeah represent the company in this fashion like it's disrespectful to do in any fashion, obviously, but to even do this, like with your work, like, and Thunder Rose, was, I mean, not, I'm not blaming her, but she, the way I saw it, she was kind of laughing at the situation. It could be a nervous laugh. It could be just her laughing because she thought it was funny, but why do this to your coworkers? Like why it's just, to me, it's, it was disgusting. Um, and I, as far as I know, I haven't heard any sort of response from Cody or uh, Tony Khan or anybody from AW about the situation, but I can definitely see in, Possibly Willie being let go or suspended on this. I mean, it's something has to happen. Yeah, I I think I mean it's it's disgusting. Um, there's there's no place for that ever, especially in 2021, especially in a, a company that's meant to be all inclusive and just it being your colleague. It's it's your coworker. It's possibly your friend as well who you're you're mocking there. And I I think how shitty it must be for. Um, 
it, it's hard enough being a foreign, like a foreigner who has little English living in a country, being kind of immersed in that. Add on top of that, being in a pandemic where you're not able to just go and see your family. You're probably on your own a lot more. And to have your colleagues, like probably your only kind of social circle mocking you in a racist manner, it's it's pretty fucking disgusting. And I I feel really bad for Sheeta. I think I think that Willie guy needs to go. I think it's sorry, but there's we saw those tweets before from Tony Khan saying uh Hogan isn't invited, isn't allowed from at right. AEW events because of things he said in the past. Um I don't think this can be a slap on the wrist. The guy needs to go. And I'd say maybe even suspend the other people for kind of encouraging it, laughing along. Right. Uh, but from everything I've heard, Dasha kind of tried to like shoot it down, but mm-hmm. um, it's it's not cool. And also it's like, it puts Tony Khan in a shit position. It's 48 hours before the pay-per-view and you're going to want a Spanish commentary team and you're in a position where perhaps you're going to have to let go of your team like right before a pay-per-view as well. Um, I don't understand how these people, like picture and picture has been a thing with AEW since day one, since Dynamite started. How are the commentary team constantly forgetting they're not on air? Um, not that they should be set off air either, but it's just, it's pretty shameful. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it was it was really like horrible to hear last night, and I feel for Shida. And yeah, I think something needs to be done. I'm sure we'll hear something in the in the next couple of days. Maybe just get through the pay per view cycle, and then come the new week, we'll uh, there might be some releases or something. I I, I don't know. The funny part is I I heard about this before I even watched Dynamite. So when I heard Shida's promo, I'm like, Her English is freaking good. Like, what are you guys mm. even talking about? And then like. I, I have a feeling though, because I feel like Tony Khan doesn't like firing people. And I know when it happened to the whole issue with Sammy Guevara, even the Jimmy Havoc issue, they both didn't get fired. They both got either suspended or sent to sensitivity training or something. Mm. So I feel like we probably will see the same case here with um Willie where he might get sent to some sort of sensitivity class or something. But I feel like he doesn't like firing people. That's not like his the, go-to. The difference is both the uh Jimmy Havoc and uh Sammy Guevara things Accusations. were from yeah, and, and they were from the past, right? They were pre-AEW. Yeah. This, this is on, on Tony yeah. Khan's broadcast. And if you're on TV, you represent Tony Khan. You represent the people you work for. And if you don't do anything about it, uh, people are going to look at Tony Khan and people are going to look at like this company as hypocrites for not doing anything about it. Um, yeah, but when Jim Ross said his like bacon comments, nothing happened to him. So I don't know. I mean, that's a whole different scenario. Don't get me wrong. But mm. that's also like something that kind of was kind of controversial in a way. Like you don't say that. Like, that's gender opposed to race. But still, like, I don't know. It should be really interesting. I, I hope they at least make a statement and don't ignore it. Um, and if somebody mentioned in the chat room, I guess the earliest we'll find out is that double or nothing. We'll see who the Spanish commentary team is tomorrow. Yeah. Well, uh, let's quickly run down everything we've got on the feed before going into this week's uh, AEW Dynamite. We've just released a new episode of uh, was next where Braden and I are covering the March 27th, 2013 edition of NXT 
Really bizarre episode. Did you know Randy Orton once wrestled in NXT? Well, we're at that episode. Randy on NXT. Uh, go check that out on the Patreon. Uh, we've got our review of Street Fighter Assassin's Fist, the uh, the mini series on the uh, very popular video uh, video game Street Fighter, uh, really, really fun show. Uh, that will be dropping in the next couple of days with Braden and I. And then, obviously, we've got our up next review. Uh, we hosted a sing along on Twitch on Wednesday night of Beauty and the Beast, which was a lot of fun. Uh, I don't think it'll be the last sing along we do on Twitch. Uh, for those of you that happened to join us, uh, I hope you enjoyed it as much as we do. And we had a lot of positive feedback. Sounds crazy. Yes, we're a wrestling podcast that occasionally sings Disney on the internet with our internet friends. <laughs> um, so more of them to come. And then, of course, uh, tomorrow night, live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash podcast, we will be hosting a live watch along of Double or Nothing followed by a post show. And I'm sure Sino and I will be giving all our predictions for that show uh, later today. But without any further ado, let's go into AEW Dynamite from May 28th, 2021. And first thing that slaps you in the face right away, we have a crowd. Yeah, I honestly forgot about this or i just didn't know that there was gonna be a crowd so when i turned it on i was like holy shit like i was like so shocked because like it was so overwhelming all these fans here nobody wearing a mask which at this point like i'm not going to comment on that anymore but it was just jarring to see this and then not only the fans but the whole like set design was was different you had like a, a center crowd kind of like how in a baseball state uh, field you have like the crowd and then they don't have the two tunnels anymore it's just the one tunnel which I kind of surprised. I kind of like the whole heel babyface dynamic with the two tunnels. So I'm not sure if it was a permanent thing or just for the daily play setup. Um, but yeah, the whole set design was different. There was fans everywhere. You couldn't even see the AEW dark roster hidden amongst them. It was just like an actual like wrestling event. I that was great. Like I was I, I was already happy just to see that. Yeah, I loved it. I I I'm with you. I I completely forgot this was happening. I knew we were getting it for double or nothing. I didn't realize we were getting it for this dynamite. And uh, yeah, obviously we've been having crowds the whole time with AEW, sort of mini crowds like you've had the the AEW dark roster and you've had some uh some crowd in the sort of upper bowl but this was the first time kind of the lower bowl was all full and it was really cool it, it de definitely added to this show and it was very interesting to see kind of who was over and who wasn't which I'm, I'm sure we'll get into with kind of every match we talk about here and we start off, the first person to come out is Darby Allen with Sting, the former TNT champion. Uh, huge ovation, I'd say, for Darby Allen. And he's taking on Cesar Benoni. Uh, um, Darby keeps on going for the Fujiwara armbar early on. And Benoni comes back targeting the, the still injured ribs from Darby, obviously, when he was thrown down the stairs from uh, Sky and Page, and then after that, the brutal match against Miro. So Benoni quite smart here, targeting those ribs. At one point, he tosses Darby from the stage into the ring, 
And this is when the crowd are getting majorly behind Darby Allen, chanting his name. Uh, Benoni keeps on going for pins, kind of forcing Darby to kick out, obviously adding even more pressure to those injured ribs. Uh, Darby fights back with this sleeper hold. And we kind of saw this in the in his TNT title defenses. Uh, even though he's a baby face, he, he's not afraid to kind of get a little dirty when he needs to. And he, he just smothers Benoni's face here, like grabbing the nose as he's applying this sleeper. So uh, Aubrey starts making the count. Uh, then Darby hits the stun dog millionaire, followed by a shotgun drop kick and the coffin drop uh, to put Cesar Benoni away. Um, yeah, I, I thought this was an okay match. I thought uh, Benoni, obviously be, being the give a bigger guy, kind of posed somewhat of a threat to Darby. But ultimately, this was just a sort of rehab match for Darby following his loss of the TNT title and uh, getting prepared for the big match at double or nothing. No, I think Darby was the perfect person to open up this new crowd era of AEW because obviously his reaction is great. And then put him against somebody with the size that you said, like a Bononi, just kind of like, whoa, he can like take this guy down. Um, It should be noted also that like the camera angle is different now. It's from the perspective of the center crowd. So it's the opposite side of what the, um, the, the way to be with now you see like the, the tunnel on the right side of the camera shots. So they definitely changed that up. So that was a little like, uh, weird at first to get used to but yeah the match was good for what it was there was one thing on commentary that i didn't notice that i wonder if it was either a slip up or like he wasn't supposed to say it but they were talking about miro later on and shivani mentioned that he's the television champion the next caliber quickly was like no the tnt champion so in my head, <laughs> yeah. i'm thinking i'm thinking that maybe shivani was in a meeting earlier with cody and they're like oh just so you know when we transition to tbs we're going to change a tnt title to the television title so i feel like that might have been like a foreshadowing of a title change um but yeah i'm, I'm a fan of bononi i've been watching him every week literally on dark with the whole wingman crew with him and uh, Pretty Peter Avalon, Ryan Nemeth, and J.D. Drake. I've been a fan of their work there, um, so I kind of expected him to lose regardless, but um, this was great, and obviously what happened after uh, was a pretty good way to start the show. So after the match, Darby grabs the mic, and he calls out Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky, saying, I'm not waiting to get jumped from behind. I know that's your plan. Come out, and let's do this tonight. So Sky and Paige come out and they say, you expect us just to come down there in our fancies and fight you for free? Uh, crowd are getting really behind this. There's chance of you suck at Sky and Paige. And they say double or nothing will be the ending of one legend and the start of two more. And after this, Benoni, Pretty Peter, uh, Ryan Nemeth, uh, all attack sting and darby allen they're beating them down sky applies the heel hook and page um goes sorry they go to break stings like ankle with the steel chair when the dark order run out for the save um yeah th this was fun uh kind of we've seen these beatdowns quite a few times just one last time to hype up for the match uh they're making it very clear this will be a proper match this won't be uh a cinema match um this is Sting's first sanctioned match in front of a crowd in six years. Uh, I fully expect uh, the, what, what are they called? The pretty picture? The wingman. They were called the pretty picture. They changed it to the wingman. It might be a trademark issue, but yeah, the, the wingman. wingman. I completely see them and the Dark Order getting involved in this match. And I totally see them all huddled up on the outside, Sting climbing to the top and diving on top of all 10 of them. Uh, that's my prediction right now. Uh, but yeah, I, how how have you felt? Well, obviously, I talk with Braden every week about um, AEW, but how have you felt about uh, Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page so far? 
I'm just kind of confused why they're together because like mm. Scorpio Sky kind of like went on, on his own. Like he's like, I'm going to be a star. I'm going to be a star. And he was on a really big winning streak on dark and elevation and all that. And then Ethan Page came in this hot like commodity who just got out of this big tag team and impact with the North to be a single star. And then they just kind of put them together to be a tag team again, which is what they were both aiming to leave. So it's a little weird. Um, I do admit though, though they do work with each other very well. When Ethan Page, he was like one of the first guys I um, was attracted to in Evolve. I was like, I never heard of him before, and I was like, who's this mm. Ethan Page guy? Whenever he talked and wrestled, I'm like, this guy's gonna be a star. And then he was on this, this tag team with uh, ACH at the time, and they kind of give me the same uh, vibe that Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page give me, where they're kind of both like these really like hockey arrogant guys that just troll all the time um so i kind of like the tag team together i'm just confused of why like now like why are they tag team now like they already have an abundance of tag teams they don't need more why not build more single stars yeah i think i feel perhaps this is just for the sting match and i can see them like not having a big breakup but going their separate ways after this i see this as two single stars who are teaming up to take out this legend rather than we're going to be a tag team with aspirations of tag team gold um i'd like the choice it's interesting when, when kind of sting came in um kind of you you expect kind of the cody match and maybe even a jericho match and stuff like that and i like that tony khan is is booking him against these younger guys and using it to elevate young people. Um, I I don't feel Sky and Paige have fully connected yet with the audience. I don't quite buy them yet. And I, I'm a fan of both talents. It just, it does feel a bit jarring, these two together for me. Um, but I would say Sky is improving on his promo every week. I think he's starting to become a bit more comfortable in his skin and I'm I'm getting more from him now than I did uh, kind of with the SCU run. Yeah, I think everybody just wants to see Ethan Page and Darby Allen do their rivalry again. And then do we get Scorpion Deplock Sting versus Scorpio Sky? Is that going to be like their offshoot? Who knows? Maybe, maybe. We go to the weigh-in of Cody Rhodes and Anthony Agogo, my favorite feud in all of pro wrestling because uh, I just love patriotism. Um, Paul White comes out, the big show. He comes out and says, there's going to be no shenanigans tonight. We're going to have a serious weigh-in. I'm here. No BS, right? No, no BS. BS. I'm it should big. be noted, though, his theme music he came out to is the theme song to AW Dark Elevation because I was listening to um, Mikey Ruckus, who does the end music for AW on their podcast, and they were saying that they're still working on this music because Paul White keeps asking for like some Lenny Kravitz sounding music and like what he does, like Paul White keeps rejecting. So I guess in the meantime, <laughs> they're just using the theme music for AW Dark. Wow. Um, so Big Show's there to make sure this goes smoothly. Uh, did he achieve that? <laughs> we'll see. Um, a go-go comes out first. And I quite like uh, the beginning of his theme. He has the bells of Big Ben. I, I thought it was quite a nice touch. Uh, he comes out with uh, the factory, QT Marshall, um, Nick Camarado, and Aaron Solo, all kind of, all representing the UK here. Uh, yeah. Aaron Solo with a kind of Seth Rollins-inspired union jack suit um there was some other guy with them that i didn't recognize it was like some guy beside him if you know who that was he was like he had some like like funny looking hair and a hat on i had no idea who that was oh i, I didn't recognize no um cutie in a kind of uh red white and blue 
uh, sort of Tony Soprano style bowling shirt. Jim Ross even calls him out and says he looks like a little Tony Shab- uh, Tony Soprano. Uh, QT comes to try and get the the crowd riled up, saying we're in Tim Tebow country, but now it's time to look at a true athlete uh, shitting on the the Jags' latest signing. Um, and then everyone's booing him. So he's going, why are you, why are you booing Paul White? Paul, Paul White's a legend. You shouldn't be booing Paul. Uh, and then Paul White gets them to hurry up and uh, says to a go-go, like, you can't come out on your own. You, you need all your guys. You need all these guys. Are you, are you scared? Like, this is a bit pathetic. You're coming out with all these guys as a go-go is with four other people. <laughs> Q downstate and Snoop Dogg as Cody Rhodes comes out with a fucking army and Paul White's just cool with this. How many people are in this thing now? It was literally the entire like Nightmare Factory students plus their families and their relatives. Like I'm like, what is going on here? There's people like I've never seen before in my life coming out. And I'm like, this is like, I mean, it gave me like boxing vibes, obviously, but even boxers don't come out with this big of an entourage. Like I, I'm like, Jesus Christ, Cody. This was insane. And the fat big show, sorry, Paul White was just cool with this after giving uh, like a go-go a lot of shit for just coming out with his three mates. Uh, come on. I thought you said no more BS and you're showing clear favoritism here, uh, Mr. White. Um, he calls out Cody, the American dream. Uh, Cody comes out wearing this track suit with eat clean bro uh, stitch on, on there. I don't really know what that's all about. Um, Cody strips down into his CKs and gets on the scales to be weighed first. And Big Show, sorry, I keep calling him Big Show. He he's still Big Show to me. Damn it! Uh, doesn't know how to work these scales. He was so um, lost. <laughs> he has no idea. And then I think he's, I think he's thinking like, ah, oh, do I just? throw out a number there and no, then Co- cody had to help him cody was like moving it for him he's like just read that right there yeah was... because I-, I can imagine cody being the kind of person if if big show's like ah you're, you're around because he starts saying you're at that 200 mark and you see this look from cody like i'm more than 200 i've i've, I've put on mass so big show's going oh you, you've definitely filled out and eventually after what felt like minutes trying to work this scale uh he calls cody at 218 pounds uh this is when fireworks start going that, off that was that was a i really thought they started playing pyro for his weight i was so confused i'm like uh, what pyro going off for his weight announcement and they they said it's fireworks outside because of memorial day weekend but i was so confused i'm like did they really just give him pyro for his <laughs> weight announcement it's Cody. He stood there with 40 people and like, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he had fireworks go off to weigh 218 pounds. Anthony Gogo then strips down to his boxers and he's wearing these sweet Union Jack boxers, which uh, I'm pretty sure I actually own these. They start chanting Austin Powers at him because of that. <laughs> yes. that. The crowd starts going Austin Powers. They start chanting Austin Powers. He gets on the scales and... Uh, Paul White still trying to work out this thing and just goes, ah, you're, you're 219 pounds. Cody looks a little mad by this. Um, Paul White makes it official. The two weights, Cody at 218, 
Uh, Agogo at 2.19. And QT cuts off Paul White and goes, do you understand what happened here? Anthony is heavier and has the victory in his hands at double or nothing. And they celebrate as if a go-go is kind of outweighing this guy by 14 pounds, where it, it's just a measly pound. Um, and then Cody goes to the turnbuckle and and poses. And there are cheers, but I don't know if you felt this. I thought there were definitely m- some boos mixed in with Cody here. I, I, have then, to go back a li- I didn't really hear any boos. He didn't get the reaction I thought he was going to get in Florida, for sure. Maybe they were going, USA, <laughs> USA. But I definitely heard a few boos mixed in there. And then a go-go went up and posed. And again, like he was getting booed, but there were definitely some cheers mixed in there at all uh, as well. Um, I I thought this was a bit of a mess of a segment personally. Yeah, I didn't like this. Like nothing really happened either. I thought like there was going to, I know this promise no shenanigans, but I expected something to come out of it. And it really well, it's nothing. It's just like a time filler. I, it should be noted that in the background, they had like two flags, one for US, one for UK. Mm. And one of the fans kept like tugging on the UK one. I'm like, oh my God. And Chris Elliott said in the chat room that somebody brought a Union Jack just to spit on it. And then Anthony Gogo challenged to fight him. I don't know what I want to go up and read about that, but that sounds crazy. But um, it should be really interesting what happens on Sunday. And I really hope that um, Cody Rose comes out to the full Apollo Creed living in America. Uh, introduction with this Uncle Sam hat and the fireworks and everything. I want to see him go full out at this point. Like, the internet hates him, they're not going to like him. The fans are going to cheer for him, probably. But I want to see just Cody go full out, douchebag level, uh, America. I think, uh, I think there will be fans who like a go go. And I thought QT Marshall was trying his best here to get heat on a go go, but I, I think the guy's pretty likable. Come on, you're stripping down to. Your Jerry Halliwell underwear here. Um, it's. I think he's got a natural charisma about him. I think people are going to be curious to see what he's like. I, I, I think it'll be an interesting match. I think Cody's such a weird character where he's just sort of, um, he's almost like the Undertaker at Mania, if you know what I mean. I'm not saying at that level, but he's just kind of on this island on his own where it doesn't need a title. It's the Cody match. And right. uh, um, I am intrigued how the how the match goes, but I've really not been a fan of this build. Um, I just think Cody comes across a bit of a a bit of a tit here. Um, and yeah, this segment, like if you were flicking through and you're just seeing the big show trying to work scales for a couple of minutes, I can't say I stick on the channel for this one. We get a, a video package for the, the stadium stampede uh, between the pinnacle and the inner circle. Uh, MJF says blood and guts might have seen, sorry, Jericho says blood and guts might have seemed like the ending, but this is just the beginning. MJF chose this match because the inner circle lost it this last year. Jericho saying, we know what it's like. We know what to do. Sammy Guevara is saying to expect the unexpected. There's JR saying the pinnacle are going in with all the momentum after their big win at blood and guts. Ortiz saying we don't lose twice in a row. And Sean Spears says some men are born to be buried. Um, I think that's you, Sean. Uh, sorry. Yeah. But <laughs> looking at your career so far, <laughs> um, yeah, that they're, they're, they're going all in with this uh, stadium stampede. And that was kind of the main focus of 
this episode of Dynamite were, were all these video packages to hype that up. And I certainly see that being the main event of Double of Nothing now. Yeah, I'm intrigued on how they're going to... I mean, obviously, they confirmed that it's going to be the same idea with the football field in the middle of the stadium and everything, but there have been talks of it still being different, having more of a live element to it, so I'm really intrigued. I'm, this is the most excited match I'm, I have for the show. We'll get into the card later, but um, this package definitely like hyped it up more, and yeah, that line by Sean Spears, I'm like, first of all, I forgot you were in, in this match, and then like you, you like you said, like, yeah, you're one of the men that was born to be buried like in this profession. Um, sorry, Sean. Sorry, Sean. Yeah. We go backstage to see Will Hobbs is attacking Christian Cage. Uh, Christian goes back and tries to pick up one of those barricade posts, you know, the ones that yeah. sort of pull out the uh, the rope. Um, right. And he goes to use it on Hobbs' head when a load of refs run out and break them up. Uh, this is just building up the tension between Team Taz and Christian Cage ahead of the Casino Battle Royal. Um, talking about feuds with Team Taz, we've got Hangman Page, who's uh, set to face Brian Cage at Double or Nothing. He's going to go against his all-in opponent in Joey Janela. Um, the match starts with Janela getting Page in the corner and teases a, ch- a slap to the chest, but fakes out and kind of offers his hand as if he's going to go to shake his hand, but gives Page a mean chop, which pisses off Page, who comes off with chops of his own. There's a big clothesline and a vertical suplex for a two from Page. Uh, they start brawling on the outside, and Page hits this fallaway slam on the floor. Uh, Janela manages to block the buckshot lariat, but gets caught with a big spine buster. Page goes for the dead eye, but Janela counters it into a sunset flip pinning combination and actually tries to use the tights to get the win here, but only a two. We then get this crazy snap German from Janela uh, where Paige's head almost just smashes against the bottom turnbuckle there. Janela follows up with the top rope elbow drop, but Paige kicks out, hits the rolling elbow, a pop-up powerbomb and the buckshot lariat and one, two, three, Hangman wins. And then you see after the match, Hangman is bleeding from the top of his head, uh, just gushing blood. Um, before we go into the post-match, what, what did you think of this? Yeah, I mean, a couple of notes here. Like, on the past, this past episode of Dark, there was a match between Brian Cage and Sonny Kiss, and Joey Janela was at ringside, and after the match, Hook came in, and I think the rest of Team Taz, and they were, like, literally beating the crap out of Sonny Kiss, and Janela kind of just, like, looked at it and, like, walked away. Like, he didn't even, like, attempt to go in and help him, which is a little weird, because Janela and Kiss had been teaming for a while, and then during commentary in this match, they actually said that they mentioned that, and they said that Joey Janela had a migraine, and that's why he didn't help his opponent. So my question is, if you see Braden being beat up outside and you have a migraine, are you just going to walk away, or are you going to help? Are you going to help him? Uh, no, I'm going to go and find the Advil probably. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, did you get picture-in-picture commentary on this at all in, in, in your in your viewing? Uh, not the commentary, no. There was like some weird tangent that Taz had. Taz was on commentary, and he was like really mad at Joey Janela because he was wearing green underwear. He's like Joey. You're not in the Indies anymore. You got to get black underwear. Like he was really going off on him about his underwear. Um, but the match, you know, it was, it was good for what it was. Um, yeah, did you like that split? That blood was gushing. Like holy crap! Once uh, Hangman started bleeding. Yeah, unfortunately, I sometimes blood adds to a match. I think it kind of took away from this one because it it, it was meant to, yeah. it was meant to be a relatively easy win for Hangman here, going it uh, to build momentum against Cage, but. I didn't actually catch. Did you catch what busted Paige no. open here? Because no, I have no idea. It was a lot of blood. Like this was blood and guts level of blood here. 
After the match, Taz, who's been on commentary, stands up and says, I'd like to introduce you to one of my good friends who will whoop your ass. And Brian Cage comes out. Page just tells him to shut the hell up and invites Brian into the ring. He says, he knows how this goes. I'm face to face with you. And then Ricky Starks and Hook come out and they take me out. And as he's saying this, sure enough, there's Hook climbing up on the apron. And Paige says, I expect that from Taz, but I don't expect it from you. Are you the kind of guy who needs these guys to help whoop my ass? Or maybe your balls have shrunk all the way up by now. And Taz is going like, careful, careful, Paige. Paige tells him that at Double or Nothing, you should face me alone and leave the others behind. Cage says, you want me one-on-one? You got it. Who better than Cage? Absolutely no one, especially Hangman Page. Hey, that rhymed. Probably Dr. Seuss, right? (laughs) Who better than Cage? Not Hangman Page. Uh, I thought Cage Cage is sounding better on the mic now. I mean, we've made a lot of fun of him on this show uh, with his one lines, but I do think he's seeming a bit more confident now. And I still feel they're even building up that tension between him and Team Taz because when... Page is sort of calling him out to come on his own. There's Taz on commentary going, uh, no, 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 you're crazy. Like, and Cage is like, no, you want me on my own? You, you got it. Um, I, I think this could be a, a really excellent match, actually, at Double or Nothing, a bit of a sleeper. Yeah, I think so as well. And I feel like this is going to lead to um, Cage being on his own, uh, especially with attention with Team Taz. I feel like he can go on his own now and be better at it. I think also with, with Hobbs now in Team Taz, You've already you've got your kind of powerhouse in the team, so you don't necessarily need Cage there anymore. And maybe a bit of a babyface run for Cage would be good. Uh, do you see them replacing him with anyone else? Well, I was going to say because like with Starks out with an injury and Hook not really wrestling, like the only real representation of Team Taz would be Hobbs, unless they get somebody else. Um, I can see somebody else possibly joining Team Taz. Um, I kind of have to look at their roster and see who, but I'm pretty sure there's one of the people that Cody Rhodes came out with can definitely join Team Taz. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'd still like to see Layla Hirsch in this team. Ooh, um, okay. I just think she kind of reminds me of Taz, just a bit like shorter in stature, but with all these great suplexes and a bit of a sort of almost kind of Olympic style about her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think could add a fresh dynamic to the team. And especially with that women's division, kind of Taz kind of representing her. Um, uh, I think that could be pretty cool. We yeah. go to John Moxley and Eddie Kingston who are in a backyard somewhere and they've got the Bucks Dior shoes and they start putting their shoes in the mud when we cut to a commercial break. And I think yeah, everyone, I was, everyone I was, was going, wait, what? <laughs> I'm like, was that meant to happen? And then obviously it came back and they showed it again. But I was confused. Like, well, why do they just end it like that? Yeah, just a bit of a production gaffe here. But uh, luckily when we came back, they started the segment over again. Uh, they're yeah, putting their shoes in the mud. Uh, they say that the Bucks are the best team in the world. And hey, we're not even a real team. But I trust this man, uh, this John Moxie saying about Eddie Kingston. I trust this man with my life. I was slumming it in a motel in Philly when Kingston came and kicked the door down because he wanted my help because I, I guess they needed to go and kill some guys. I, <laughs> I don't know. But like he's, Philly, yeah. he's got his back. And Moxie starts saying, ah, I want those belts, Eddie. I need those belts, Eddie. 
And the Bucks may be a better team and a well-oiled machine, but those belts are two raw T-bone stakes and we are wild pit bulls. Kingston then come, calls out the people in the back and says that sort of kind of the elite have been just running roughshod and it's time for us to kind of stand up and take this company back. And hell, maybe we should be the EVPs of this company. And Moxie's like, nah, <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't doing that. And they say the pressure is coming. Uh, I love their promos. They're so just different from everything else. Um, you're not going to have this chemistry with uh, many other pairs. This seems so off the cuff, unscripted, but just feels so natural for these two and quite different from all the other promos in the game. I, I really like these two together. Yeah, this was great. First of all, Moxley was wearing his bitch as fuck t-shirt, which only he could <laughs> probably wear and get away with it. Uh, he called the Young Bucks Rod and Todd Flanders from The Simpsons. That was kind of funny. And then like the whole thing with the belts, he was like, I love belts. I, I need belts. I need these belts. Like the whole like stake thing. And then he's like, I don't want to be a VP. Like the whole thing, like the whole synergy between Moxley and uh, Kingston is definitely unscripted and it feels so fresh. It, it feels like both of them kind of uh, start getting a bit out of control and needs the other one to calm them down. But then once they've calmed down the other person, they themselves get a bit amped up and out of control as well. I think it's such a great energy. Uh, and the thing about have. this is like, I feel like there is going to be the inevitable turn. And I feel like this one's actually going to register more than the, a lot of the other turns world because we see how close they really are. And I feel like once Kingston, I feel like Kingston's going to turn on Moxley, he's going to be one of the biggest heels in AEW for sure. I'd go the other way around. Ooh, really? We, we see... Turn. Yeah, we've seen Kingston turn mm. turn on Mox already. I think you have Mox being like, don't think I've forgotten that shit you did to me before. And and I, I think it could freshen up Moxie a bit. He's yeah. been it's been kind of two years in the company now as this big baby face. He's had his title run. Uh once this kind of tag team thing's over, I think you might want to freshen him up a bit. And uh, I, I think a babyface Kingston could could work and could potentially have some title matches too. I like that. I like that idea. Yeah. We go to Orange Cassidy's answer. Will he take up Kenny Omega by dropping out of the triple threat match at double or nothing? We have Tony Schiavone in the ring who's uh, presenting this and calls out Orange Cassidy when Pac comes out and tells Tony to get out and oh yeah by the way pax a heel again i guess <laughs> <laughs> pax says that this sunday orange cassidy is irrelevant the only person of relevance is the new AEW champion me kenny is this really the prestigious title reign you're so proud of you keep ducking and diving these challenges and it's pathetic so come down to face me and we can show the whole world what's gonna happen and that's when Don Callis comes on the screen and says, you honestly think I would come to the same ring or the same building as you? You're a dangerous person. You're violent, aggressive, a soulless sociopath, and we don't want anything to do with you. And that's when Kenny appears from behind attacking Pac, but Pac seems ready for this and starts coming back with his own kicks and offense when the Good Brothers arrive to beat down on Pac when the rest of the Death Triangle, Penta and Phoenix, come for the save, Omega goes for the one-winged angel on Pack. when the Pixies music hits and Orange Cassidy with the best friends and Chris Statlander comes out. He gives Kenny a letter 
Kenny opens it and it's the contract ripped up. Orange hits the orange punch to Kenny and then Kenny goes to pick up the AEW title but sees that Pac's foot is on it. So Pac goes to powerbomb Orange Cassidy but Cassidy slips out and hits the orange punch to Pac and then Orange poses with the title. Orange Cassidy, have you never watched wrestling? You don't pose with the title before a title match. <laughs> um, yeah, at this point in the show, I was getting a bit tired of someone in the ring calling out someone and saying, I know you're going to attack me from behind anyway, but I'm going to call you out. And then getting attacked from behind. We had this in the Derby segment. We had this in the Hangman segment. And now we've had this in the... Um, the Kenny Pack Casty segment. It was getting a bit repetitive for me at this point. Yeah, I'll be honest. Like the only real part I found entertaining was when uh, Orange handed Kenny the envelope and it said for Ken, but it, like it didn't fit. So he crossed out Ken and then wrote Kenny on the bottom. It seems like an Orange Cassidy thing to do. It's like, oh, wait, it doesn't fit. Let me just <laughs> cross it out and write it again. And I don't know if it's just me. I even rewinded it a couple of times to make sure, but. Did it sound like Orange Cassidy didn't really get that big of a pop? Like, I wasn't sure if it was just a crowd. Like, no, I'm with you. Call, right? So I'm wondering if maybe he wrestled earlier on Dark and that was like the big Orange Cassidy pop because you were thinking all this music, like, oh, he's going to you know get this huge pop. And I'm like, they really didn't cheer for Orange at all. I was a little shocked by that. Yeah, it, it was a bit lackluster. Um, I'm sure people will get behind the near falls in the triple threat. I'm really looking forward to the match itself. Oh, yeah. I just almost wish it was not for the title. Like, I, I wish this was in another universe where this was maybe a number one contenders match where you could buy Pack or Orange winning, but there's there's no way Kenny is not winning this match, which kind of just takes a little of the luster out of it for me. But I do think it will be a, a good match and actually really interesting dynamic with these three. Um, but I can't say I've been particularly invested in the story. We go backstage to Jade Cargill, who's being interviewed uh, when she's interrupted by big money, Matt Hardy. And Matt says he will win the Casino Battle Royal and then win the AEW Championship. And Hardy asks if she wants to join a winning team. But this is when Mark Sterling walks in and says that Jade has already joined him. And if uh hardy keeps accosting her he will have to slap a restraining order on him and sterling says unlike you who takes 30 percent regardless from your clients uh i'm working pro bono and i'm going to only take a commission if jade wins the match and he even gives matt hardy his card and jade seems pretty happy with mark sterling here yeah after uh, all this all these weeks of not wanting a manager she got a manager this was, again, a bit underwhelming, wasn't it? Like all yeah. these weeks with these promos and then it's just, we don't even have a big reveal that it's Mark Sterling. He just shows up. I, I feel like it's going to lead to her like losing and then just kind of getting rid of him and then going to somebody else. Like just kind hmm. of like experimenting with different managers, I guess. I was wondering if they maybe had someone else who they thought might be coming in who might not mm. be anymore, uh, possibly a Thea Trinidad. Ooh, Someone like that, okay. yeah. which maybe, obviously, she was seen in the PC recently, so maybe kind of that fell through, uh, but just felt a bit underwhelming after all these weeks. It 
was just thrown away in a backstage segment. But and it's Mark I, Sterling I, at all people. I have quite enjoyed Mark Sterling though. Um, so I would be interested to see how this relationship goes. We go to Jade Cargill's match where she's fighting AEW Dark regular Kylan King. Um, is this her Dynamite debut, perhaps? No, she's she wrestled before. She's had a handful of matches, but it's been a while since she's been on Dynamite. And if I'm correct, she's had quite a bit of a run on Dark recently, having like yeah, she's lost been aligned- all of 2020. She's on a bit of a streak, <laughs> is she not? Yeah, she definitely is. She's actually been aligned with uh, Big Swole and Red Velvet. They've had like a little trios that they've been doing tag matches and everything. She's been actually winning a lot. I'm surprised they still haven't signed her, as far as I know, but she's one of like their prize students. I'm sure it's only a matter of time. Uh, but yeah, it was good to see her on Dynamite. Like She just she chases me wherever I go. She's like, I found out Cito's doing this Dynamite. I'm going to wrestle on there too. <laughs> So it starts off with a Greco-Roman knuckle lock test of strength, which which Jade, obviously being the stronger uh, competitor, gets King down. But King actually starts to power up and push Jade back. So Jade decides to just kick her in the midsection. Uh, Jade does some bicep curls with King before delivering a power slam. Uh, We go to a commercial break. And after the break, Jade dumps King to the outside uh, where Sterling even offers King uh, his card uh, to maybe be represented. And then we get the glam slam, or as Jade's calling it, the jaded for the win. One, two, three. Um, yeah, this is probably the most that Jade has shown in her matches. I think she looked great in this match. Um, we were talking earlier about Team Taz, and I don't know why I just popped in my head, but can you see maybe Jade down the line joining Team Taz? She'd fit for sure. Like yeah. I think her personality would fit. Uh, yeah, not not a bad idea. Um, I, I I think with Team Taz, I w- I would like to see a, a woman join. I think it would right. change that up a bit because uh, then Taz has kind of people in each sort of division. He's division. got a heavyweight. He's got a more of a cruiserweight. He's got a woman. Um, I think that would be good. Uh, yeah, I, I think Jade's looking impressive. I I kind of feel and and I guess it was just because of the commercial break kind of the the kind of where that it fell in the show i felt jade could have maybe done a bit lighter work with her um but it, it was good to see her go and she she held her own and very impressive considering this was i think they said her, her sixth match um yep. she looked good here after the match aubrey goes to raise jade's hand but she pulls it away as she wants mark sterling to lift it for her and she just keeps yelling in the camera that she's a bitch i'm a bitch i'm the baddest bitch i'm the bitch I'm the bitch. You're not a bitch. I'm a bitch. Uh, do you do that in the morning? Like when you get ready and you start like fixing your hair, do you just start screaming that in the mirror? Every day in the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the baddest bitch. Uh, we go to Jake the Snake Roberts with Lance Archer. And uh, this is ahead of Miro's TNT de- title defense against Dante Martin from Top Flight. Uh, Jake says, Dante, if you win, you'll be the youngest uh, AEW champion ever but Lance doesn't care about Dante Martin he hopes he does well but this is about Miro and Lance will be the new TNT champion uh, this was very quick straight to the point but I thought at this point these two sounded pretty good yeah it was go- good I mean all, all I really got out of Lance is he just wants to punch Miro in the face that's all I really got out of this promo yeah we go to the TNT Championship match. Uh, Dante Martin taking on Miro. I believe this is Miro's first TNT title defense. Yep. And holy fuck, this guy was over. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
Miro's going to kill this is the, you, this is, the, this, is, this is the Rusev Day uh, type of vibe that I got from him. He's probably going to get one of the biggest reactions on Sunday. Yeah, quite quite surprising, I thought. Um, I think maybe his turn has come at the perfect time because I don't know anyone who is a fan of uh, the video game stuff, the stuff with Kip Sabian. And I think maybe the people who bought into Rusev back in the the days of that first US title run where he came out with the tank, uh, the Rusev Day time. I think over the last couple of weeks, he's finally shown he's a killer. The guy can talk. The guy's so like very funny, very quick on the mic. Um, and I think the crowd are finally like, fuck yes, this is the Miro we wanted. And it's kind of perfect timing because this guy was the, was the baby face in this match. And poor Dante Martin was nothing more than fodder here. And the crowd were not going to buy into him at all. Uh, Miro delivers this kick to the spine of Dante Martin. And the crowd starts chanting one more time. So Miro teases it, but then turns and kind of starts conducting the crowd. And they just love this guy. Uh, Dante does manage to come back briefly. He hits a jawbreaker. Miro goes for like a falling headbutt, but Dante moves out of the way, gets some offense in with an enziguri, followed by springboard moonsault, but only a one count. Dante hits the springboard dropkick, but only a one count again. And then Miro grabs Dante from the apron, pulling him into the ring with a brain buster, just showing off his strength. He hits a thrust kick, and then game over, and he has it locked in. This is the the accolade, the, the camel clutch he used to use. And he's pulling him, and Dante's holding. And then Miro pulls back even more, causing Dante to tap. And then after the tap, Miro pulls this right back. And this is the version of the game over we saw him use on Derby, which I think looks absolutely devastating. Um Good, solid monster win here from Miro. I am fully back on the Miro train or Miro tank, should I say. Uh, <laughs> how are you feeling about this Miro run? I think it's going to be great. I feel like, like I said earlier, I think he's going to be one of the most overstars on Sunday and just AW in general going forward. You have that history with the whole Rusev day and like you feel like he never got that proper push in WWE that he was supposed to like main event level. And I feel like he could get it here. I can definitely see him being a world champion in AEW down the load. If, imagine like you said earlier with Marcy turning heel. Imagine a heel Moxley versus a babyface Rusev. Like that would mm. be, I'm sorry, Miro. That would be a crazy match. Um, I'm totally for this. Uh, shout out to Dante Martin though. I've been watching him recently. And ever since his brother Darius got hurt, he's been having a hell of a run on dark. Like that's the one thing I got to admit AEW does very well is when tag teams, one of the partners goes down, they don't just shell the entire tag team. They actually have them wrestle. So Dante Martin has been wrestling this entire time. Uh, Bear Bronson from Bear Country has been wrestling when his partner has been down. Um, that's something that like WWE, with the exception of like Jey Uso, they never really do that. They always kind of shell one person if the other person is injured. But on um, like Dante Martin's really been getting like legitimate wins every week to the point where when I saw him getting a title shot tonight, I didn't even doubt it as just like a squash for Miro because I feel like Dante definitely deserved it. Um, but this was just a showcase for him and just looking strong until you know going into his match on something. Yeah, I I honestly think now Miro could be a real player in AEW and uh, the crowd love him. He's so legit as well. That match against Derby reminded me of a Brock match. Um, And that's a great thing to have. He just looks, he looks like a monster. The guy can wrestle. He's got some pretty good moves. Looks uh, just aggressive in everything he does. 
And then he's got these great one-liners. Um, I, I think we're going to have quite the run with Miro here. After the match, Jake the Snake and Lance come out. And Jake says, I got a message for you. Sunday, we get that opportunity and your fairy tale comes to the end. You huff and puff and blow the house down, but we don't play fairy tales. And then he speaks in, I guess... This is, this is not the right week to do that. He picked a, a wrong day to do that, sure, for sure. Boy, he, was yeah. trying, he was, I guess, trying to speak Bulgarian, some sort of gibberish, and I was like, that just translates to shut the F up. And I'm just like, not the right night to do that. No. Yeah, he, he kind of mocks Bulgarian and then, yeah, says it translates to shut the F up. You come in, in here and you bully people and you think you're so special, but uh, Archer is focused and ready. And that's when Miro's just going, put on my microphone, put on my microphone. I want this old fart to shut up. And he goes, the old man keeps holding you back. What happens if you let him go? So Jake lets Lance go and Lance charges to the ring and there's a bit of this beat down between the two. And during this whole like fight, Jake is on the mic, just like saying stuff, but kind of inaudibly. Um, the, the visual of Lance running down, I thought looked really cool. But then I thought the actual beat down between the two wasn't too impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think, I, I think the dynamic's going to be very interesting here on sunday because i like archer i like him as a wrestler i think he's a decent big man but i don't think he has that connection with the crowd and especially up against a miro i can just see miro being the the baby face in this completely oh yeah the crowd's 100 percent gonna switch on them and not necessarily boo archer but i don't think he's gonna get a baby face reaction at all it's all gonna be miro and i it's sad to say, but I think it's time for Jake to kind of maybe move on. Um, yeah. His his lines just seem so bizarre all the time. And and the kind of commentary on the mic from him as this fight was going on added nothing. I think Archer is confident enough on his own. Yeah, he uh, need speaking Jake that he all, doesn't yeah. need a mouthpiece. Uh, I think it was a cool relationship to start with, but I don't think it's necessarily needed anymore. I agree. We go to a celebration of the longest reigning AEW champion ever, Hikaru Shida, who's celebrating one year as the AEW women's champion. Uh, Shida comes out looking great. The crowd are, are giving her a nice respect here. And they announce that they are giving, sorry, this was uh, Shivani in the ring. Shivani, I think. yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, giving Shida a brand new gold and diamond-encrusted women's championship to celebrate a whole year as champion. And Shida gets on the mic and says, it's her dream to defend the championship in front of a full crowd. When I won this title, there was no fans, but tonight you are here, and I am so proud to share this moment with you because this title is for you, and for you, and for you. Uh, I thought Shida was very endearing here. Um, obviously English isn't her first language, but I thought she sounded great. And I, I think as popular as Britt Baker is, you also can't not like Hikaru Shida, especially here celebrating one year. And you know, she's sort of desperate to have that moment in front of a crowd. Uh, and I like the new title. I think it's an improvement. 
Oh yeah, for sure. They they made it a little bit bigger as well. I know one of my complaints about the original one was so tiny, so small, especially mm. when somebody like Nala Rose held it. So they did make it a little bit bigger. They designed is obviously different with the gold and the diamonds. Um, but yeah, I think Sheeta's been great. I feel like she's one of those people that like everybody appreciates. Like they'll clap for her, they'll like her, but nobody's gonna go crazy for her like over the top. Um, like I think they're going to do for Britt Baker, which we're gonna get into. But the same stuff I said about Rusev, I'm gonna say about uh Britt Baker because she got a hell of a reaction when she came out. Oh yeah. So Britt comes out and actually says, hey, I come in peace. No, no funny business. I'm on my own. Uh, Reba's not with me. And says, you had the longest reign in AEW AEW history. And no one can take that away from you. 2020, that was your year. And when I sat down with JR a couple of weeks ago, I misspoke. I said I'd be the face of the women's division. But I was wrong. I will be the face of the whole era. Like a previous era was 316, this era will be DMD. Uh, great promo. Um, getting that DMD line over the crowd. Oh, and the, the crowd loved it. Loved her. I also really appreciated here, my complaint from earlier was every segment is someone comes out, there's an attack from behind, and you're kind of waiting here for... Reba with the crutch to attack Sheeta. And you didn't get that. You had Britt kind of putting her over and saying you've had a great year. I think it it makes this feud more interesting for me. And I think this might have been my favorite segment of the night, to be honest. Um, and it yeah. definitely increased my excitement. And yeah, the, the way this crowd reacted to Britt Baker, um, she's going to be huge. Yeah, and it's I agree with the it being the best segment of the night. And it's funny that she compared herself to to Austin with the 316 line because I feel like it's going to go kind of similar to the point where she's a heel. Um, she wrestles amazing. Uh, her promos are great. And the crowd's going to get behind her to the point where they're going to force her to become a baby face. And I can see within six months her being the biggest baby face in the not only the women's division, like she said, but the actual the entire company. And I can see possibly like a Jade being somebody she could feed with down the line. Um, and Britt Baker just being incredibly over all these crowds when they start touring the country. I almost feel this was the start of that turn, to yeah. be honest, because she's she wasn't being negative about Sheeda at all. She's like, you're great. You've been champion for a year. That's fantastic. I'm just going to be better. We go to our next match. Uh, during the commercial break, Sammy Guevara is in the crowd with his signs. Um, I didn't take note of what he was saying. I don't know if you did at all. He he ended off with like Sean Spears, like Sean Spears hit me up like that. That's because each person in this match has like their opponent that they're going against, yes. you know, FTR and Santana and Ortiz. So I guess uh, Sean Spears is a designated opponent for Sammy. So it was just kind of one of those promos where he's like, kind of like, you know, you're going to get you. You think you could use chairs, but you're going to get you. I don't know. Something about chairs and and Sean Spears. Sorry, got out of it. We have Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page teaming up to take on Dark Order members Stu Grayson and Evil Uno. Uh, it was cool to see when the Dark Order came out. A lot of the crowd were doing the sort of yeah. Dark Order pose with their hands. Uh, I like that because obviously when we last had a full crowd, Dark, over, Dark Order were not really over at all. And yeah. it's, it's lovely to see the transformation of these guys and how, how the crowd have really taken to them. Grayson out of nowhere flies to the outside and hits this crazy DDT to Scorpio Sky on the floor. Uh, Sky sweeps the leg of Grayson on the apron and he lands pretty awkwardly on his neck and shoulder, which looked pretty nasty. Uh, Sky follows up with a cutter to Grayson, but uh, Stu manages to make the hot tag to Evil Uno, who hits a nice looking Hurricane Rana to Page. 
uh, stamps on the hands of Sky, uh, hits this flatliner to Sky, and then uh, does his spot where he uh, grabs the leg of Ethan Page, throws it to Bryce Remsburg, who holds the leg as uh, he delivers a neck breaker. We then get this awesome throwing belly to belly from Grayson, a cannonball 450 combo from the Dark Order, but Page kicks out. And then we get the heel hook applied from Sky and the evil, sorry, the ego's edge to Uno. One, two, three, Sky and Page win the match. Um, I thought this was probably the best match of the night. Um, unfortunately, seeing that um, the match is Sky and Page on Sunday, I thought the Dark Order outshone them here. Yeah, it was just a way to get Sky and Paige established with a win over an established tag team in um, Grayson and Evil Uno. Um, the match was good for what it was. Yeah, it was definitely probably the match of the show, but I feel like this show wasn't meant to be wrestling heavy. It was more about the promos and the you know the go-home show. Um, there, there was one really weird moment on commentary. I don't know if I missed something or maybe you caught it, but they're just calling the matches, and out of nowhere, I swear to God, Jim Ross says to Tony Schiavone, hey, Tony, do you have a cat? And Tony is like, um, no, I'm more of a dog person. And they just like, they had, as far as I don't know, no, like, I don't know why he asked that. Like, what was the call? The, 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 it was so weird. I'm just like, okay, maybe JR just had a moment there, but he just wanted to know if Tony likes cats or dogs. It wasn't even in picture in picture. It was on the actual live commentary. Yeah, I called I that so as well, but I didn't catch what was leading into it. So there was nothing. I remember okay. like, there was no sort of cat reference or meant. Like, I'm so confused by that. I'm just like, he just wants to know if he likes cats or dogs. It was really awkward, but JR is going to JR. JR just daydreaming. Um, yeah. After the match, Ethan Page gets on the mic and he says, uh, that's what's going to happen this Sunday, whether it's the heel hook or the ego's edge. When Sting's music hits and Darby comes out with uh, Sting's drummers from WrestleMania 31, uh, a load of people in Sting masks and... Uh, kind of Sky and Paige are sort of trying to fight them off when one person approaches them in a Sting mask, takes off the mask, and it's Sting! He attacks them, Paige and Sky run off. Um, yeah, this was fine. I, I felt we kind of already had our our segment for this match earlier in the night, but yeah. uh, this was fine. They got to do the, the Sting taking the mask off, revealing its sting. And I, I know that's going to be gift a lot. And maybe that's all they were going for here. They've done this, this same exact thing in WCW and TNA with the whole yes. like, multiple sting things. And everybody comes out. It's the same people that came out with Cody earlier and they got their mask on and everything. And you could clearly tell who's sting because it's the one guy who's like really tall and big and balding. And it was like so obvious, like the fans are even like, oh, look, it's sting. Um, but yeah, like you said, they could have, why did they have to do this? They already had the segment earlier. Why like mm. have to double up on it? But you know, like you said, maybe it's a gift worthy moment. We go to our main event segment, which is the celebration of the Inner Circle, as they might split up this Sunday if they lose at Stadium Stampede. Eric Bischoff comes out fresh from a run in North Korea, and <laughs> uh, he gets on the mic saying, "He, this guy is clearly so happy to be in front of a crowd, I noticed. He said, I love each and every one of you, and isn't time a funny thing? Because 25 years ago this week, uh, I introduced a faction on TNT as we had kind of Scott Hall, Kevin Nash invade. And tonight I'll introduce another faction that could take their crown. The inner circle comes out to Judas. Everyone's singing along. You can see the glee on these guys' face, especially <laughs> Jericho, just 
to be surrounded by fans again. Um, Jericho says, uh, it's good to be surrounded by fans again, and it's good to be with Eric Bischoff, one of the guys we made amends with. Thank you for everything you did for my career with WCW and being here tonight. Quite the 180 from Jericho. Yeah, on Bischoff Jericho just making friends with, he's making friends with everybody now, huh? Oh, yeah. Um, we get Inner Circle chants as they highlight their greatest hits in the past 18 months on Dynamite. Uh, Santana is the first to get on the mic, returning from his stint in jail <laughs> and <laughs> says, we've done some cool shit. October 2nd, 2019, the night we created magic. 18 months later, we're here standing stronger than ever. We took this entire company and carried it on our backs during a damn pandemic. We have the best fans and we couldn't have done it without all of you. Um, this guy needs to be a main eventer. I think he... I looks the part he sounds great like if you were flicking through the channels here not having a clue what's going on like i think this guy's the leader of this thing he just looks so cool sounds awesome can wrestle he's he's so cool if i had to name like the top five guys that wwe probably wish they could sign he's probably number one because they're always looking for like the next latin star this guy's mm. bilingual speaks perfect english perfect spanish has that cool oozing charisma to him can wrestle can cut promos like everything about this guy is great and like i like ortiz um but i feel like santana could be like the breakout star maybe not anytime soon but in the next five years if he sticks around in AEW or anywhere that he goes he could be like the top baby face he is up there like i feel like he could be like moxie level like up there like as far as like a cool actual champion i completely uh, agree i think this guy could be a megastar uh ortiz grabs the mic and says that was beautiful uh <laughs> jake then has a bit of a promo go on jake says if this is the end show us the hard times when we were beaten bloody the hard times where these men left their souls behind these are the moments we celebrate yeah uh <laughs> I get a real kick out of Jake Hager promos. I don't know why. Um, he He's almost got that kind of Mojo Rawley vibe about him, which is like, get hyped. Because yeah. he rarely talks, but when he does, he's just yelling. I, I've i really grown to quite like Jake Hager. He reminds me of like joining. in high school, in high school, like everybody had, like I had that click, and you always had that guy in the background. I kind of was always kind of quiet. And when he did talk, he was like over the top, and that's what Jack Swagger is, uh, Jake Hager. Um, he, but yeah, he's he's great. He, he's he's really winning me over. He's Joe Swanson in Family Guy. Whenever you yes, have like yes. uh, Peter Quagmire, uh, Cleveland, and Joe, and Joe's just in the back, like yeah, that's <laughs> that's, that's Hager here. Uh, Sammy says we've been through everything together. When I came to AEW, I was wearing a damn panda hat. Now look at us with the biggest faction in all of pro wrestling. And uh, when I quit the inner circle, I didn't like that. Uh, I walked out and I'm going to make sure it doesn't happen ever again. But if this is the end, thank you for everything. And then Jericho finishes off by saying, when I was asked to put a faction together of my own, I didn't really want to. I don't work well with others until I met these guys. Uh, these badass mother and Ortiz is like, whoa, 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 shut your mouth, Chris. Watch it. We're on TV. Jericho compares them to the 1987 Guns N' Roses where they don't give a shit what anyone else thinks. They wear what they want. They do what they want. And if we are going to go down this Sunday, we will go down in a blaze of glory. And if this is the last time, I just want to say, I love you. And they all pose and give the finger. 
before we go on to the next bit, uh, what did you make of this? How was their promos here? It was good. I love Jake. I love Santana. Sammy kind of like lost me for a second when he was kind of going down this dark path. I'm like, is he going to bring up the Sasha stuff or the impact stuff? Like, I don't know where he was going with like, you know, I was going down the down road, but it was about him leaving the inner circle. And then the whole Panda hat thing, that was his idea. Like he made it yeah. seem like he was forced to, like he was doing that in the Indies way before he was in AEW. But um, it was cool. It was, it was, it's, you know, I thought it was gonna be kind of tough for like them to kind of like go full on baby face, especially with Jericho as the head, but they've done a pretty good job. Um, obviously the fans are going to be behind them. They had the perfect theme song, but um, Santana just stood out to me as, as the number one promo out of all of them. And then Ortiz had like what one thing, yeah. um, not really the talker of the group, but uh, I, I like this. I like this promo. What I like here is you can see that this faction worked putting these guys with Jericho. Um, the growth you see, the confidence in their promos, all of them, like any of them I feel can carry a promo segment now. Uh, which yep. I wouldn't have said when they first got together. And I took it more of with Sammy Guevara. Like it wasn't that he was being forced to wear a panda head. It was like, I used to like, I I didn't know what I was doing until I met right. these guys. Uh, Cause I know it, it was Jericho who was like, why the fuck are you wearing a panda head? You've got to ditch <laughs> that thing. Um, we go to MJF who appears on the screen and he's on the, the field of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's mock clapping them. He says he's excited for Sunday and talking of people who are hyped, he goes, are you excited Wardlow? And Wardlow's just like, yeah. And then they go, are you excited Dean? And the camera pans and we see Dean Malenko is beaten up and tied to the, to the football post. And MJF says, I will make the Iceman extra cold. So the inner circle run to the field to save Dean Malenko, where, of course, they get attacked from behind by the pinnacle. Uh, Spear smashes a chair over Sammy's back and then kind of just poses with this deep breathing like it was euphoric for him. And then the big spot is FTR delivering tandem sit-out pile drivers off the dugout through tables. Uh, This looked nuts. Yeah, that was, I was honestly scared when I saw that. I was like, this is not going to end well. I got really scared. The fact that they're doing it at the same time, like, like one of the tables broke through. The other one kind of didn't really break. Um, But that spot was amazing. But back to the beginning, like when, when they mentioned, like we have Dean here for a second, I thought they meant um, Ambrose. Like I was like, wait, Dean? Right. like Dean, like I was so confused by that. And then like, it was like, I understand this history between Malenko and Jericho, but it kind of gave me like WWE vibes where it's like, we see these guys last week shaking hands and they're friends. And the next week, like we have like this big kidnapping. Um, I feel like they probably could have picked somebody better to do the kidnapping. Even like Bischoff, who just in the segment alone was established as like Jericho's buddy. They could have just kidnapped Bischoff. But yeah. I understand this history. And like the AW fans are smarter than WWE fans. So obviously they know the history with Malenko and Jericho. So I see how that can hit. But from like a new fan coming in, it's like, well, this guy, they just shook hands last week. Like, why is he so why this whole team so invested in them but um, i understand why they did it the show ends with the pinnacle saying when you are in the pinnacle you are always on top um that pile driver spot was nuts and scary scary. like i i thought it looked great and obviously these guys are professional but risky as well to do just before the pay-per-view yeah wouldn't you say that for the pay-per-view like i feel like like you can't redo that spot no and also if this goes wrong, you're taking out two of your guys yeah. from your main event, like two days before. 
but did look very cool. Uh, this is clearly the main event now. Um, I, I've been dumb because I've been thinking, how are you going to do this? And I forgot that the field isn't Daly's place. The field is kind of separate from it. So you can right. absolutely do the live thing. Uh, they've said there'll be a significant live element there for the crowd. So I, I perhaps may be seeing entrances in front of the crowd, like get that Judas theme in front of a sold out crowd and then them head to maybe go in the golf carts or whatever to head to the field perhaps to start and then can, you, can you, you see brawl around having, can you see them possibly having fans in the stadium itself like some fans just in there or is that kind of a little weird looking i i don't know how easy that would be to do uh yeah. to get them kind of moving to the stadium but perhaps um they've sort of promised it's going to be quite different from last year's obviously last year's had more of a comedic edge uh, I think this is more going to be a bit of a bloody brawl. Uh, but I'm intrigued. I'm really excited. And I hope, because uh, AEW have had a bit of a habit recently and kind of botching the finish a little. I I hope they've tested, they've tried, they've tested whatever it is they have planned for the end. I hope it looks good. Uh, no, Tony, I don't want to see people literally explode and be dropped on their heads <laughs> on concrete. I just want it to look good, Okay. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was AEW Dynamite. Um, overall thoughts, I, I kind of thought this was a pretty weak show. It kind of felt a bit house show-esque for me, like just getting a, a few promos in there, a few matches, but honestly, the matches were nothing to the standard that we normally expect from a Dynamite. But that being said, having the crowd there definitely helped the show. And I, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed it being... 10 p.m. on a Friday night with nothing to do. Uh, but I thought this was a bit of a weak effort. And I thought perhaps last week with all those promos that were so on point felt more of a go-home show for me. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. Um, the wrestling part of it was weak. The promos were, were pretty decent. But like for the first like official show with fans, you expected a little bit more. Um, maybe the fact that they knew that they're probably not going to have as many viewers. They just figured let's not really go full on with it. But then again, it's your go home show before the pay-per-view. So you kind of need to go extra hard. Um, I feel like the show last week, the, the week before that was definitely better than this show. But um, I feel like most of the feuds were already established. You already had like, you know, everybody already knows what's going on with all the storylines. So it's kind of like one of those shows just to do it. Um, but yeah, I definitely one of the weaker sides, but it was very good to see the fans there. Like if that same reaction uh, times three is going to happen on Sunday, I'm, I'm for it. Well, let's go to some calls uh, as we have a couple of people here and then we can maybe go into some of our predictions. But if you are watching live on the Twitch stream, uh, please come in, say hello. Uh, I've posted the Zoom link both on the Facebook group and on the Patreon. Uh, but first, I'd like to go over to Detroit to speak to the BDE Never open weight champion, B Detroit. How you doing, Brian? Uh, uh, I would like to uh, tell you to refrain from calling me B Detroit today and call me B America because <laughs> I am representing Cody Rhodes here, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. <laughs> B America here, ladies and gentlemen. Love right. it. Love it. Wonderful. So I just want to talk. I just want to talk about Cody Rhodes. He's going against that scum, Anthony Agogo. Hey, I cannot he believe. Go, go right ahead. I know you're one of those British. You watch go your ahead. mouth. We've got we've got Anthony Agogo doing this for the Queen, doing it for Britannia. Um, how dare you? How dare you? Uh, well, insult I tell you me what, like it's this. gonna take way more than a gut punch to break through the ironclad armor of Cody Rose patriotism. I tell you that right now, ladies and gentlemen. 
It's going to be a great show. He's going to come out. He's going to have a big chested woman. He's going to have a bald eagle. He's going to be eating a sweet piece of American apple pie. And he's going to take Anthony Gogo right to Big Ben and throw his ass right off the top of it. I tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen, Woo. be America is here I'm, for Cody. Yeah. I've, I've never been I've never been proud to be an American after that. Uh, be America. That was amazing. Holy crap. Can't wait for the big what, chested woman. Legend is that Cody Rhodes just spawned that neck tattoo because of his patriotism. It just appeared on his neck one morning. <laughs> he didn't get that tattoo done. Come on, guys. You knew it. <laughs> uh, be America. Right? Any thoughts on this week's Dynamite or kind of what are you most looking forward to? For uh, Well, for that might be something I can get uh, be Detroit for. Give me one second. <laughs> All right. Yeah, hey, what's up, guys? What's going on? Hey, hey how are you doing? I don't know who the hell that guy was. But anyway, <laughs> it was uh, uh, I did not like that show tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I woke up and watched that at like four o'clock this morning. And I just want to talk about that. Um, that fucking weigh in. All right. Look, if you're going to do a weigh in, get a get a digital scale. If you watch sports, get a digital scale. Big show. It's no more BS. All right. I, I, it was a lot of things that was wrong. But I mean, I'm. As much as I might complain about AEW, I cannot wait for the pay-per-view just because of that crowd had me amped. And I was kind of disappointed that they the crowd didn't sing Where Is My Mind because I love that fucking song. Yep. So, like, where where is everybody singing the song? Like, sing the song. If you're going to be there, if you're listening to this show right now, sing the song with Orange Cassidy, please. <laughs> you know the song. I'm sure you know it. Everybody knows the fucking song. I would say, though, it's not as, like, instantly... Uh, memorable as judas like it's a great yeah, song right. but like to sing right. like even if you don't know any of the words of judas you can just join in on i become i become yeah. i become in yeah. you know and, w- uh, and wait till tarzan boy comes out they're gonna all do the oh, oh for oh, sure crazy 100 you can definitely get a good where is my mind that'll be really nice to hear through the crowd but other than that the show was you know so so i i definitely enjoyed smackdown better um, only thing I'm really excited about is Miro, man. He looks like a fucking monster. He looks like a killer. His gear is great. Like yeah. I've never seen Miro look. He has the best gear in AEW right now. I think like nobody mm. has better gear than Miro. That the, the like the kick pads with the with the shorts that has the TNT Championship on it is really dope. I, I'm pretty sure WH loves that. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah, other than that, that, I didn't. Yeah, you know the show wasn't. It wasn't that much to be talking about. I agree. I completely agree. Well, uh, thank you, Brian. Um, we'll, we look forward <laughs> to hearing from you again. And maybe you can bring uh, Be America again on, on uh, Sunday to maybe uh, give his thoughts after, after the United Kingdom have slayed the <laughs> USA. Uh, we'd love to hear from you again. Brian, I would love to see Be America in a watch along one of these days to pull out, <laughs> checked out and everything. That'd be great. Well, yeah, we can watch uh, Head of State from Chris Rocks. Yeah, we can watch <laughs> there <that>. you go. <laughs> All right, take it easy, guys. See you, man. Later. Love you. Uh, we go to Magan. Uh, Magan, if you'd like to unmute yourself, please, and uh, let us know what is on your mind. What's up, everybody? How are you doing? Hey, what's Good. up? Good. Good. Anyway, um, Dynamo was Dynamo's show was okay. I mean, there was I mean, there were some things I liked about it. I mean, it was very cool to see Sheeta get get that get that hero's reaction. I mean, of, but of course, you know, Britt Baker eclipsed her. I mean, it's gonna get be it's gonna get harder and harder for her to stay to stay a heel, given the way she got that DMD catchphrase over. 
And I do think and I do think Cheetah's time as a champion will come to an end not Sunday. Yeah. And on top uh, of that, I agree. I don't mean to cut you off. And uh, I don't mean to be rude. Um no, 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 Miro, Miro like Miro has had quite the turnaround since the whole best man thing didn't really didn't really work. And separate from Kip Sabian and Bill before worked wonders for him. And uh he looked very good on he looked very good last night. And uh what else? I'm trying to think. Um, I think the way the the way the show ended with Inner Circle, you know, getting you know, game power driving through tables. Yeah, I mean, as much as I do think this, I do think there's a lot of life left in this uh, Inner Circle Pinnacle feud because I feel like they could, they're kind of doing the opposite of what I wanted because I, I was hoping after Blood and Gus they would do some like branching feuds, but like the only that's I think that's the only direction they can go after uh, after Stadium Stampede on Sunday because I think you know FTR Ortiz and Santana that's a feud right there. Any combination of MJF, Jericho, Sean Spears, and Sammy Guevara is is there. You could also do Hager versus Wardlow. So I like you know I think Branching Feuds is the next logical step in this uh, in this rivalry between the few, between Inner Circle and Pinnacle. I mean I think you can still split some of them off against each other even if the Inner Circle have split up. Uh, not necessarily all of them, but I think uh i see if if they do split up i still see your uh santana and ortiz being together because they were already like an established tag team before joining the inner circle um but yeah i i I think there's great arguments for uh for both sides um to having them split i think i think all of them as has been evident from the promos recently i feel all of them are ready to be on their own now um and then yeah go for it no, a couple more things. I mean, um, I, I mean, yesterday with all these rumors about WWE and New Japan possibly hooking up. I mean, I mean, there's a, I saw a lot of I saw a lot of tweets at my timeline talking about, like, I mean, about you know potential dream matches. But I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world because you know New Japan has had a bit of a rough go as of late. I mean, but between the COVID wave hitting the roster, I mean, Okada especially came forward with his diagnosis, and uh, Shingo, and of course uh, Osprey breaking into the title because of injury. And I'm looking. I am looking forward to Dominion on June seventh between Okada and Shingo. That should be a really good match mm. for the championship. I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I mean, because I mean, New Japan has has their hands in, in a, has their hands everywhere, so to speak, with the stuff with with, um, with AEW and with Impact lending lending some talent. So I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I mean, I mean, who knows? Who knows if they'll have some substance? Because I think Daniel Bryan could be the catalyst of this. Because he's been very open about wanting to do, uh, wanting to work some people from New Japan. I think Daniel Bryan could be the catalyst. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I can see Daniel Bryan being like, "Hey, I, I want to do these matches. Uh, I want to stay with WWE. It's only you guys who are not letting this happen. Like, there's no reason why it shouldn't happen." Um, but yeah, I, I am, I am kind of excited. I, I am intrigued by the whole thing. Well, thank you, Magan. Let's uh, thank you guys. Thank, Thank you. you very much. We'll go on to Chris Elliott. Uh, Chris, how's it going? I'm not too bad, David. How are you guys? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. What's up, Chris? I, I, How are you? I was, I was going to bring along my good friend Chris England, but I don't <laughs> think he could quite live up to be America, to be honest. <laughs> uh, no, uh, just quickly on the on that New Japan WWE thing, I'm kind of a bit more on the negative side of it. Mm. Primarily because we know how Vince can be in terms of how controlling he wants to be in terms of his his characters, his uh, intellectual property. Mm. And would 
say, say, let's say he sends Brian over or Bala or AJ or whoever. Is it going to be sent over? Are they going to be sent over with the caveat of, well, you can have them so long as they beat your top guys? Because at the end of the day, Vince sees his company as the very top. Hmm. So would he allow those guys to lose in Japan? It depends how it's like, to be honest, I don't really care too much about winners or losers as long as we're getting good matches, you know, and you could always send. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I, I completely understand your, um, your thinking there. And I, I know a lot of people were thinking the same thing. Um, it, it depends how, how the talent come out after it. Like you, you can lose and be absolutely fine. I mean, we see, we see the G1, we see champions losing matches in new Japan in the G1. Um, but it, it depends what kind of talent you're sending over. I'd say, yeah, obviously Vince is going to want to protect his, um, his guys like a, like a Brian or a Bala, but will Vince care too much about a Ricochet or a Kushida or a Nakamura even? Um, there's enough kind of like levels in WWE of interesting talent that are kind of expendable as far as Vince is concerned. But I, I mean, it's all speculation at this point and we'll have to kind of watch this space. But I, I completely understand uh, people's sort of uh, negativity towards it, especially the way... Um, kind of foreign talent have been uh, have been used in the past. Uh, Sino, what, what what about you? What what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, from the from what I've read, it's been more the case of WWE sending guys to there to Japan, not the other way around. So if they can send a Brian, a Kushida, a Ricochet over to Japan, and they can wrestle the New Japan style and still end up making money for WWE, I don't see why Vince or anybody else would be totally against that as long as they don't get hurt and they don't do anything stupid. They're still representing the company, obviously. So just go there, be safe, and just put on a hell of a show. I kind of, The closest thing I can compare this to is when they had that working agreement with ECW back in the day where they were exchanging talent. And there were people that were sending to ECW that were losing. I know you had Al Snow, which is like the one case of somebody, somebody who kind of reinvent themselves. Himself. But you definitely had people being sent back and forth um, that were still losing, but were representing WWE in a way. Um, I think it's fine. I mean, honest, as long as like they can both benefit over it. You know, new Japan has new, uh, new people that they can get eyeballs on. And then WWE can send people to kind of like reinvent themselves or become stars. So I see it as, as a good thing. Um, like I said, let's not put the horse. What is it? Put the cart ahead of the horse. Let's, let's see exactly what's going to happen here before we start judging this. I mean, I understand there's a lot of past history with WWE and moves that they've made, but this is Nick Khan. Who knows what his vision is? Who knows what's going to happen? And new Japan is way too big of a company let be taken as fools you know what i mean they're not no offense to evolve or progress or anybody else that they've worked with but this is new japan i they're the biggest company besides wb in the world it depends on the talent as well right i don't i can't see many people having a problem with daniel bryan going over there and beating okada but i can see people having a problem with dominic mysterio going over and beating okada or baron corbin <laughs> going over and beating shingo like that that that's the kind of thing where people are gonna get pissed off but I feel I can't see there being much negativity to a, a Brian or an AJ or a Bala having a win over one of the top guys there. Finally, we're going to go to Fire Frank to finish things off today. Uh, Frank, if you'd like to unmute yourself, how are you doing and what's on your mind? Hey, guys. Good afternoon. Good morning. Whatever you want to say. Um, 
yeah, it's kind of crazy. I woke up this morning. It feels like I went back in time two months. We're like at 40 degrees out here. Uh, <laughs> we're freezing over here. Um, yeah. Um, great discussion today, guys. Uh, great recap. Yeah. The show last night was, um, I thought it was a cool atmosphere. We're having those fans back. So that kind of helps some cool promos and all that. It was a good night overall. I thought with the, you know, back-to-back shows last night, I had a lot more fun than I thought I would. Um, so it, was, it was a pretty good week in wrestling in general. I thought I thought Raw was better this week. We had some good matches on there. Riddle and Woods had like a, a crazy mm-hmm. good match to me. Um, yeah. NXT, you know, Balor and Cross had that match we've been waiting, you know, for Cross to have that big match. I think they had that big main event match. It was pretty awesome. Um, I guess my only question would be: We have the pay per view Sunday. I'm looking forward to it. There's a should be a, should be a lot of fun. Um, I wonder where uh, Kenny's going to go next after uh, we assume he's going to win this match. Um, I know he's got to face Moose coming up at the next uh, Impact Plus show, but what do you guys think uh, would be a good next challenger for him? Um, Christian, maybe. Hmm. Uh, I I mean, it'll be whoever wins this uh, Battle Royal will be at, is it Fighter Fest they did last time for Brian Cage when he won it? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, so I can see it being Christian for maybe Fighter Fest, and then we build for Hangman at All Out. Okay, perhaps. So, you know, what, what what do you think there? Yeah, I agree. I mean, both those guys sound good. Um, Hangman and Christian. Yeah, and like whoever else wins this battle royale, yeah, I pretty much agree. Um, Miro down the line, I think would be a good opponent for him. I just don't know how that's going to work, um, unless they just totally switch Miro and make him a baby face on Sunday or soon, but I can definitely see Miro and Kenny be a good match down. I can see Kingston as well. At some point, Kingston and Kenny, uh, the story's kind of already there. Um, but yeah, there, there are plenty of options. Um, I think hangman is the end game. It's how long you want to kind of, how long do you want to stretch that story out? Do you want Kenny collecting even more titles? Cause I think, uh, hangman's got to be the one to eventually dethrone him but maybe he has a losing effort first at all out and then it can be finally takes it at revolution next year or something like that uh anything else frank um not much great show guys chat is fire as always <laughs> sing along was great this week uh, so you know i may see you later um yeah we got, uh, a, we got, a, movie, we got a movie show in a couple hours to go to <laughs> yeah gotta get gotta get ready um yeah, so um, I'll sit, I'll lay back and enjoy uh, your preview of the show. I'd like to see what you think uh, is going to be the mystery uh, competitor in that battle royal. Mm. Yeah, so uh, talk to you later, guys. Have a great, uh, great day, and I'll see you later, Joe. Be Thank you, time. Frank. Always be fire. Uh, yeah, uh, I've just seen on, uh, thanks to Chris Leone in the Twitch chat for directing us to Dave Meltzer's Twitter, uh, Willie Urbina, the commentator who made the kind of racist uh sort of commentary on Hikaru Shida last night has been let go by AEW. Um, that, was, that was the right move. Absolutely. We'll, AEW, yep. we'll see if anything else comes from that. But let's quickly run down Double or Nothing and give our predictions. We've got, uh, I actually definitely want to watch the kickoff show, the pre-show for this, because we've got Serena Deeb um, facing Riho for the NWA Women's Championship. Uh, Serena Deeb has been maybe one of the most consistent performers in AEW for me. I think she's uh, keeps putting on excellent, excellent matches. And against someone like uh, Riho, uh, I think that could be a really exciting match to watch. And I'm definitely going to tune in early for that one. Uh, but I'm going to go with Deeb to retain. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, NWA is already hyping her up as defending the title against either Thunder Rosa or Camille, and NWA had themselves have a pay-per-view in about two weeks. So yeah, this is just a way to, I guess, to get, to get you know, a little bit more uh, eyeballs on deep. Uh, we've got the Casino Battle Royal uh, for a future AEW World Championship shot. Uh, the announced competitors are Christian Cage, Matt Seidel, Powerhouse Hobbs, Penta El Zero Miedo, Jungle Boy, Matt Hardy, Mark Quinn, Isaiah Cassidy, The Blade, Evil Uno, Colt Cabana, Preston, Ten, Vance, Griff Garrison, Brian Pillman Jr., Max Caster, Anthony Bowens, QT Marshall, Nick Camarado, Dustin Rhodes, Lee Johnson, and two be announced yeah in the graphic they showed all the cards and the 21st card had a little mystery on it and uh they did announce that paul white is the guest commentator so it's i mean it's pretty obvious i think he's going to be the mystery person but then again there's a lot of free agents out there um that could definitely be a big show or paul white would definitely make the the biggest impression but it's like do you have him win i, I could see maybe him and christian being the last two and christian getting get the win besides christian only the person i could see winning is maybe a jungle boy um but I, those are my three people unless there's some mystery person that we don't know about yeah i i, I think it's going to be uh paul white as the mystery person i agree with you i think it could be christian and paul white as the final two christian wins they do a sign of respect and then big show turns and knocks oh, him out yes. and he's heel. let's do it <laughs> let's go it's been too long since we've seen a heel turn um, he's been baby for way too long <laughs> yeah uh, but I, I'm going with Christian Cage for this one. I, I think that's, uh, I, I, I could see a Jungle Boy, as you said, but I don't think there's anyone else. Um, unless you go with Big Show. Do you see Big Show? And Sorry, I keep saying Big Show. He's Big Show to me. Do you see Paul I, White, I hope, Kenny Omega? I hope, No, I cannot see that. Um, I don't think so. I think he's there just to make the sporadic matches here or there, but to put him in a title picture... I wouldn't be happy. I don't think the majority of the AEW fans would be happy about that. Christian mm. is somebody who they definitely want to push from the gate. So he, this is the time for him to win. And you said the winner of this gets a match at Fighter Fest, so that that would make sense to. It, it just says down fan. the line, but last time yeah. they did Fighter Fest, so I think that makes the most sense. Uh, like a big yeah. TV main event. Um, we have Sting and Darby Allen taking on Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page in Sting's. First official sanctioned match in front of a crowd in six years. Yeah, Sting and Darby are definitely going to win this. This is just a match to profile Sting. The one thing I'm curious about is because Ethan Page does have the Eagles edge. Do you think he does that to Sting and does a buckle bomb? Are we going to see a buckle bomb? <laughs> I don't think we're going to see Sting take a buckle bomb, no. Um, I think we are. I think he's going full think on. So? Fuck it. Yeah, like this is my last match. Fuck it. I think he's gonna go full on with it. Um, but I'm 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 not expecting Sting to be the Sting that we remember. But um, it's gonna be great to see him get that reaction in front of the fans. I think this could be fun. I think we've seen Sting in sort of the beatdowns and stuff that he can still do some things. And being in a tag match, uh, as I said earlier, I expect um the wingmen, the pretty picture and dark order to somehow get involved as well. I think there's a lot of smoke and mirrors you can do with this and, and have a pretty fun match. Um, I'm actually going to go with sky and page here to win. Ooh, okay. uh, and I think sting takes the L. Okay. I can see, I, I'm going to go with sting and, and Darby, but then backstage or somewhere down the line, Ethan page gets his big revenge spot on Darby and maybe, throws him off the stadium or something. I don't know. Something crazy that, that Darby's going to do. The only thing that seems weird is it seemed like both Sky and Paige really wanted the TNT title and Darby mm. doesn't have that anymore. So 
Um, but I'm with you. I think we're getting the, the singles feud after this. Uh, we've got Miro and Lance Archer facing each other for the TNT Championship. Um, I think this has to be Miro. Um, I can't see them taking the title off him right now. And he's red hot right now. Um, I can see this being a fun sort of quick sort of 10 minute match kind of Goldberg Lesnar at mania, that kind of just a load of insane big men stuff throwing each other around. Uh, I think this could be quite fun, but should stay relatively short. Yeah, I mean, looking at the card, this might by default be the weakest match on the show. Um, mm. It could surprise me, but I feel like Miro doesn't really work too well with guys that are bigger than him. Um, but I hope that they surprise me. But yeah, obviously, Miro's going to win here. And uh, who knows? We might get like that double turn. Maybe who knows, Maybe Lance takes out Jake, and then we never see Jake ever again, and there's your double turn. Um, but I feel like this is going to be a big moment for Miro. And just by this reaction alone might kind of give us an idea of where they're going to go with Miro. We have Hangman Adam Page taking on Brian Cage. Um, this, to me, almost feels like an unofficial number one contenders match. Uh, yeah. Hangman was the number one seed, lost to Cage, and kind of fell down the ranking. So uh, this feels like a, whoever wins this one is going to be kind of having a bit of a, a sort of push, uh, is how I see it. Um, I see this being Hangman Page winning it. It's time to start building the momentum with him again um but i see i see them having a good match i see this being where brian cage either on double or nothing or next week's dynamite leaving team taz and having a bit of a a singles run as well perhaps even a sign of respect between the two at the end of the match which pisses off taz perhaps uh what about you yeah i I agree with everything you say uh hangman's gonna win brian cage is gonna probably sign up respect and then get kicked out. I think he's not going to leave. I think they're going to turn on him. Like Hobbs is the perfect guy to take out cage. And then you're going to get that Hobbs cage match as his first program. Yeah. Sounds good. We have the young bucks defending the AEW world tag team championship against John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. I think we're going to get new champions here. Look at the, the, the matches. This might be the one of maybe two title changes on the show. Um, I can definitely see Moxley and Kingston winning and uh, just reinforcing that brotherhood that they have to the eventual turn that's going to happen. Um, and then maybe this is a way to kind of like not write the bucks off of TV, but maybe do something different with them. Cause I feel like they're kind of stuck in limbo. Like I'm not really liking this bucks run at all. Like I don't understand what's really going on. Like they're with Kenny. They're not with Kenny. They're this new persona. Like I don't really know what's going on with the bucks and obviously they can take the loss and still be the bucks that we know. Um, but I feel like this is the perfect opportunity to escalate this Moxley Kingston friendship and give them titles and then have them face off against who knows santana and ortiz or even sky and page down the road um i think it's going to be moxley and kingston i think it could be quite quite a short reign and we'll eventually go back to the bucks maybe at fighter fest but i think it'll be i think it'll be fun seeing moxley and kingston with these promos that they've been doing with the titles they can be kind of out and about uh, in Florida, kind of celebrating with the titles and that kind of thing, I think will be quite fun. I eventually see them going back to the Bucks. I see um, FTR and Santana and Ortiz feuding, and then Santana and Ortiz going against the Bucks uh, for That'd tag titles, much, yeah. perhaps at All Out, um, because we haven't we got that very early on in AEW, but I still feel we haven't scratched the surface with Proud and Powerful. No, I mean, and we're going to get into this later on with the main event, but I feel like 
they're destined for like that tag team run because they've just been kind of like too mixed up with inner circle to the point where you might even forget that they're a tag team at times. Yeah. We have the AEW Women's World Championship, Hikaru Shida, defending the title against Dr. Britt Baker. Um, this, I, I think this has to be Britt Baker's time as the champion. Yeah, she's got to wait too many chances and losses. This is a point where you have to make it a champ. It's going to be a great match, don't get me wrong. Um, mm. But I feel like this is a time where Britt Baker uh, wins the title. I just feel like I have this feeling that once Shida loses the title, she's kind of be kind of be lost. I feel like there's other women that should have that main event um, spot. She was only not that she was only there because she was a champion, but I feel like because she was a champion, they had to force her to be in the in that spot. But I feel mm. like she's going to get lost after she loses the title. But this is the time for Baker to shine and turn babyface. Yes, uh, I'm with you there. The uh, three way match for the AEW World Championship: Kenny Omega defending the title against Orange Cassidy and Pack. Omega's going to win. It's going to be a great match, though. Um, I feel like we're going to see like a side of Cassidy we haven't seen, um, where he just because he never had that triple threat environment, right, in AEW. So we're going to see moves that we haven't seen, as far as I know. Um, especially in the champion, they never had a championship triple threat, as far as I <laughs> excuse me, as far as I remember. Um, so I feel like we're definitely going to see some crazy moves in this match. Um, all three talents are amazing. They all kind of like have different styles. Um, and it's not a match that I would have even thought about like a year ago but i feel like it's going to be the show stealer without a doubt have we even had a triple threat match in AEW? i don't like full stop i can't think of one so i that is kind of interesting to me um i'm we're on the same page here i think it's got to be omega but i think we're going to get an excellent match and i say this about any match where it's it feels like foregone conclusion if you can make me believe once that Orange Cassidy or Pack are going to win this thing, you've you've done your job. Uh, I think this will be a tremendous match. And then we have the main event, or what we assume is the main event, the pinnacle, MJF, Wardlow, Sean Spears, Cash Wheeler, and Dax Harwood with Tully Blanchard taking on the inner circle, Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara, Santana, and Ortiz in a stadium stampede match where if the inner circle lose, they must disband as a team forever. Um, this match is like tricky for me because the stipulation is only the inner circle breakup. So the pinnacle doesn't break up. They lose. So they can take the loss. Obviously, uh, the inner circle already took the loss at blood and guts. So it makes sense for them to get the win back here. But at the same time, I can see inner circle breaking up. Like they've done pretty much all they can do. And like we mentioned, Santana or Ortiz are, are due for a tag team shot. Um, Sammy's due to go solo, but they can still do this stuff as the inner circle. They don't necessarily have to break up. Um, so I'm kind of been going back and forth, but I feel like Inner Circle is going to get that win. They're going to get that win back because for them to lose two big matches in a row doesn't make much sense. Um, so I feel like they can still win the match and still go on and do those solo side matches as well. Yeah, I I was thinking the Inner Circle is going to break up until this week, and I think they did such a big job of being like, this is a celebration and this could be the last time you see them together. I think it could be a swerve and I do see the inner circle winning and then splitting off. And you could even have a, you could even have a bit of a, not a tournament, but like a bit of a competition sort of, you've got the tag match, you've got Sammy versus Sean Spears. You've got Jericho versus MJF. You've got Hager versus Wardlow and kind of winner takes all in kind of singles and tag matches, perhaps down the line. Uh, I think there's maybe a bit more you can squeeze out of this feud. 
because uh, we haven't done the the breaking off into individual matches at all yet. Um, so that's double or nothing. I think uh, I think it looks an interesting card, and I'm I'm pretty looking forward to this. Is there a match you're looking forward to the most? Um, Stadium Stampede. I love the first one, so I'm really looking forward to what they've been promising of being something totally different and you know, new for this. So I'm looking forward to that. I know Tony Khan, I heard him recently on the AEW podcast, hyping up like some sort of like surprises. I'm not sure if he means like double or nothing or just the next head of dynamites, but he's definitely promising like new faces and things like that. So I'm not sure if we're going to get some sort of big angle on this show or some big tease. Um, so the casino battle Royal, always that question mark, you know, is always, is always interesting of who it could be. Um, but as far as match goes, I'm going to go with the stadium stampede. Uh, wrestling wise though the triple threat match i can't wait for any omega and orange i think that's gonna be crazy but yeah, yeah up and down this show looks really good i i'm exactly the same as you i think the the world title match and the stadium stampede i'm very looking forward to but i think there could be some surprises here nothing looks particularly weak on the show for me even if it's uh a lot of the matches are not the direction i thought we'd be going in for this but i am intrigued uh and i hope it's a good show well, that brings us to an end of this go-home show, this special brunch edition of BD Elite. And we will be back tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern time, twitch.tv slash up next podcast for our live watch-along of Double or Nothing. Come and join us. The watch-alongs are always a lot of fun and we'll be sticking around after the show to do our post-show. But if you're not able to be around for that, we will be uploading the audio version to our Patreon, which you can find patreon.com slash up next. And also we have some new merch on the Pro Wrestling Tees store. So it's Memorial Day weekend. Go to prowrestlingtees.com slash up next and pick yourself up an up next summer tank top or t-shirt. Or if you still want a hoodie, it's it's got a bit chilly again recently. Get yourself an up next hoodie or one of the classic shirts and use that code memorial and you'll get 20% off. Uh, but that's it from me. Sino, any final words? No, check out Shot in the Dark. I've been having Wednesdays all by my lonesome this last couple of weeks with Dynamite being moved to Friday. So definitely check me out. It should be interesting this upcoming episode because I don't know if these AEW Dark shows are being done in front of fans. I'm not sure if they're going to be switching up to time frame or match frames. So that's really intriguing me. Um, obviously, everything else I'm talking about, NXT UK, Ring of Honor, 205 Live, a lot of new faces on all these shows. So uh, come take a listen. I'll give you all the rundown of it. All right. Well, that's it, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. Take care. Be safe. Ahoy! Hey there, BreezeLine has a holiday gift just for you. One month of free internet for all your family's gift sites, book flights, and movie nights. Get reliable, fast internet with speeds starting at 100 megabits per second for just $19.99 a month. Plus, free Wi-Fi your way home for the first 12 months. And your first month is free. BreezeLine wishes you all a happy and bright holiday season. If only they could give you a little holiday relief from all the matching family outfits. Service subject to availability. New residential customers and select areas only. Visit BreezeLine.com for complete offer details.
Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-on bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIO, you'll be all set for when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIO.